The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to the Doctor Who pod with Sai and Dan, proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. I am Sai, and joining me as always in this crazy world of you know thousands and thousands of year old alien in a little blue box is our good friend Mr. Dan Griffin. Dan, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good, mate. Doing pretty good. I, uh, I took delivery of a pair of Zubas this week, so I have been in maximum comfort all weekend. It's been fucking glorious, even though you did try and ruin them for me by pointing out that the colour scheme was uh, was like the Glazers out campaign. Yep, there you go. Glazers, right? Even you Liverpool fans have got to, got to support that, haven't you? Yeah, no, I want them to stay in and fucking ruin the club. <laughs> <laughs> and then my brother tried to further ruin it by pointing out that the same colour as the Green Bay Packers. Luckily, I've not been an NFL fan for a while, but you know, why are people trying to ruin my comfort? I just don't get it. It's like it's like the United away kit from about 93-ish as well, wasn't it? Do you remember the golden green halves? Yeah, grim-looking kit, that, wasn't it? I like that. Of course you do. Yeah, the wife of says that, I was going to buy a replica one, and she said, if you buy that, I'm never going outside with you again, so... So you bought it? <laughs> no, no. So I found this out as well the other day. I found this out as well the other day that my NWO shorts that I've got, apparently, I've got the same pair. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, but well, I've got my own pair. Me and Sai don't share. Yeah, we don't share. We don't like put a leg in each, and then like we're naked on the other side or anything like that. But maybe that's an idea to save money in the future. I'm not to bear that in mind. But that's um, the worst three-legged race ever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my wife said that if I wear these when I go on holiday, which was my plan, she's not going to leave the caravan with me. So. Oh dear, mate. That, that's just rude. It, it's the trials and tribulations of married life, isn't it? it is. um, but speaking of married life, we, our, we've got our first guest of, guest of season four. And I'm I was, stopping you right there. I'm stopping you right there. That was a fucking glorious segue. That was fantastic. <laughs> and it would have been even better if you let me fucking finish. I'll, I'll cut this out. Sorry. <laughs> As I was saying, speaking of married life, our first guest of season four is a gentleman who I was lucky to meet, lucky enough to meet in person on his fucking wedding day, Chris Lewis. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you, guys. Um, yeah, but very brief to get much time to speak, but but yes, uh, very excited to be here with you guys and uh, get stuck into some Doctor Who stuff. And yeah, it was uh, yeah. it was a combo of uh, of Chris. Just having a million and one people to talk to and things to do yeah. at the reception, and and me being absolutely starving and wanting to get the fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone did. Everyone did love the fish and chips. Everyone seemed to love that. <laughs> I, I absolutely, I absolutely horrified a future guest on this season, uh, Burnley Chris, by just getting one of the pickled eggs and, and just popping it straight in my mouth hole <laughs> and, and just eating it like that, not biting it first. But you're a big old fella, Dan, aren't you? So a, a, a pickled egg is like snack size to you isn't it at least i didn't try and swallow it whole yeah yeah there is that there is that, there is that. <laughs> yes congratulations by the way chris on the wedding and and all that great stuff my friend i mean yeah, thank I, don't, you. 
I mean, we've not actually spoken properly before, have we? Yeah. It's always been via uh, Twitter or messaging and so yeah, on. Twitter messages, yeah. So, yeah, so this but, is the first time you and I have ever yes. interacted properly. Like, yeah, so congratulations to you. Well, I suppose commiserations to you and congratulations <laughs> to Matt because he's blatantly punching up in, in that relationship, <laughs> isn't he? Well, you know, so but there we go. No, love you, Matt. Love you, Matt. Um, we are today looking at, obviously, we have a guest on, looking at our guest's selection. And Chris has chosen the David Tennant story for our fourth season of the podcast. And it's a two-parter, starting with Stolen Earth, and the second part is Journey's End, I think, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, uh, sure. Before we get to that, Chris, do you want to give us a little bit of a background into your Doctor Who fandom, how you first discovered the show and uh, and you know what you liked and what attracted you to it. And then secondly, I suppose, why you selected this particular story. Yeah, I know um, you guys are kind of wanting me to say it's like Stockholm Syndrome with Matt, but um, to be all honesty, it was uh, with the relaunch in 2005, like Chris Oxen, the Ninth Doctor. Um, I remember being a really young kid and I'm not sure what episode it is. I think Matt knows exactly what episode it is, but it really freaked me out because there's one where they're in a cave, there's a glowing green maggots. Um, so that kind of put me off some of the classic stuff, but I thought I'd start watching with the reboot and like the RTD relaunch. And I uh, always liked a bit of sci fi, and it's really kind of grabbed me and I like the characters in the world and outside the law. Um, so that's kind of like my introduction to it. And I just kind of got into it and watched every season, every episode since. So um, I haven't delved too much into classics. So I think there are probably some things that might go over my head in terms of old references. But you're in good um, company, mate. You're still doing yeah. the same for me. <laughs> I've got more of the classic stuff. I just can't remember it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the main reason that I chose these episodes, A, I'm kind of shocked that no one else has chosen them because I think they're fantastic. Um, but growing up, I think is the first main like crossover thing I've seen. Um, because yeah. it's all the time the Avengers and stuff like that, so it's like the first big crossover event kind of thing TV I've seen. Then for me, growing up, just watching it, it's like, oh my god, everything's coming together, they're tying everything together so well. Um, along with that, just yeah. like the performances of David Tennant and Catherine Tate, like, I think they knocked it out of the park several times inside their acting and. Just a really memorable story for me, and like be watching it over the weekend. I had a list. There's still bits still made me cry. So it's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yes. It's, they are fantastic episodes, and um, it's our first foray into uh, into Catherine Tate as a companion as well. Yeah. Um, but you, you're fully right in what you say. The whole crossover element of it. Just this felt like a massive event at the time, and and still the the major story beats and the major sort of emotional yeah. moments and happenings still do just hit really really hard for me uh, same as you you know same as watching yeah. watching it the first time because like you say it predates mcu any of that uh, any of that stuff and uh, in many ways did it better really because i was yeah. i don't know about you but i was a massive torchwood fan as well at this time yeah torchwood i kind of dipped in and out of i followed it enough to know what was going on in the story and i watched mm. like the finales of those series so i knew kind of the big beats of them um but to see them integrated and that actually you could tell exactly when they were in the Mm. series that Sarah Jane Adventures I wasn't quite as big into but I did receive a few episodes here and there as well Rob, um, Rob keeps saying I should watch Sarah Jane Adventures and I will get to it it's just I've got to wait until it's 25 years old yeah see I, I've never seen any Torchwood I've never seen any Sarah Jane Adventures but it, Sarah Jane Adventures I think is going to be the next thing I watch with with my daughter because we've just finished watching back all of New Who 
Cool. And our good friend Morty, ex uh, ex Doctor Who podcast, has just been badgering me. You've got to get, watch Sarah Jane Adventures with your daughter. It's going to be fa- it's fantastic and so on. And she actually watched this back with me today. So she's got the link in there with Sarah Jane and so on. And you mentioned, Chris, about certain moments uh, still getting you in the feels and getting you a bit of emotion and so on. I'm not going to lie. There's a couple of tears rolling down my cheeks. And I looked at Charlie and she she has this thing where if it's really scary or if she's getting emotional, her bear comes up to her face. Yeah. So she's either hiding behind it or she's wiping her tears and hoping I don't notice for some reason. <laughs> I sort of looked over and the bear was up and I'm thinking, okay. I was like, you're right. And she's like, yes, my allergies. I was like, you bloody <laughs> little liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to throw it right out there. Every time I see Bernard Cribbins on just yeah. in, in this area of Doctor Who, I just, I've said before how much I love, love the character and, and all of that. And, and, it's just such a shame he's gone and I'll be exactly the same in the 60th anniversary later this year when I see him again because he really was a fantastic actor, played a great role and just just an absolute national treasure. Yeah, without a doubt. So, shall we dive on in? Uh, Dan, do you want to sort of guide us through what we watched and uh, Chris, feel free to chime in with your thoughts and what you loved and etc. Anytime you so desire, my friend. Yeah, nice. let's, let's get going. Uh, we, we start with a vibrating milkman. Yes. Uh, always, the best, always the best type of milkman, I find. <laughs> yeah. if, we, if we want to badly explain the intro, uh, the Doctor and Donna are on uh, are on Earth. It's it's obviously after the events of Turn Left and the uh, the parallel reality where uh, Donna met Rose and, you know, they had all the, uh, you know, the Doctor died and, and basically just getting a sense of, just how important it was for for the Doctor and Donna to meet. Um, the the go back in the TARDIS, everything's fine, and then big crash, and the Earth is gone. Which, let's be fair, is quite a good setup, really, because yeah. <laughs> we get a, and then we we bring in we bring in that we bring in Martha at the unit headquarters in New York, thinking it's an earthquake. Uh, we're in Cardiff with the Torchwood crew. A great line from Yanto, who, if when you watch Torchwood side, because I will make you, um, Yanto is one of the great, one of the really good side characters. He just says, Which one is, <laughs> is he the one in the suit? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah Yanto was my favourite in Torchwood. Like, oh, I'm Children of Earth, man. Yeah, I'm gonna say heart that. I try not to spoil the things, but it's just that like, scene. Se- <laughs> series three is just like oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but when he says <laughs> when Jack's shouting, "Is everybody all right?" and he just, he's just laid there, and he says, "No broken bones, slight loss of dignity, no change there." She's <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Um, Yanto and Gwen are get, getting the monitor up while Jack goes outside, and, and everybody's sort of looking vaguely horrified. Um, we're in Ealing. Uh, Sarah Jane's checking on Luke, and the smart little bastard saying it must have been some kind of uh, spatial transference. It's like, yeah, it could have been an earthquake too, kind of chubby beans. Straight away, thinks of like, you know, aliens and sci-fi <laughs> stuff. It's like, can't thank it. Given the history, I think you probably might have some knowledge of that kind of stuff. But yeah. But it all depends on how, you expect, how well you know the expect story, I guess. But. <laughs> Not at all. That's why I call this yeah. little bastard. <laughs> 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 um, we get the computer, Mr. Smith, uh, give him give itself some fanfare um, as he pops out, much to Sarah Jane's uh, uh, chagrin. Good word. Uh, we're in Chiswick, and uh, we've got Wilf, just just Wilfred Mott. It's like it's them aliens, I tell you. What do you want, you green swine? <laughs> so with a cricket bat, he's got, hasn't he? He's in the street yelling at the sky with a cricket oh, bat yeah. in his hand. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> 
He's like, he's like a southern version of my granddad. I'm pretty sure that's exactly <laughs> what my granddad would do. He'd be out in the street with some random thing that he's picked up. <laughs> Just ready to go. It's hysterical. Um, and then Rose teleports in. Yes. Of all people, which, you know, massive moment. Because at this point, Rose is meant to be locked away in a parallel world. And uh, I've got to ask you guys, just straight off, what do you make of her accent? Rose's accent? Yeah. Uh, I've got a couple of things to say about Rose in this episode, but her accent wasn't one that stood out to me, to be honest. Chris? No. Her voice is kind of fine. I think the thing me and Matt says is it doesn't look like she's moving her mouth for some of it, but it's just kind of like... Um, so that's everything we said, but um, so this this caught me from right from the first broadcast. Her voice in this, after some time away from Doctor, is so different to the early seasons. Okay, so so different. I think because I think um, she'd been off filming something else. Um, was it like Secret Diaries of a Call Girl or something like that around about that time? And it's like she couldn't fully get rid of that accent. She's quite well spoken in that, isn't she? Yeah. So she and she really seemed it just it it jarred me right from the off. I was like, well, "That's Rose," but that's also, that doesn't sound like it. I don't know. It, it obviously is just me, but it just really stood out, and it, it kind of it throws me off every time I watch it. I think for me, it's just like it's kind of those things. Like she's obviously grown up and matured a bit in the time she was on the show, so it's kind of like. If you're so used to hearing her one way, then like yeah. potentially but, where it's yeah, like a bit what, older. I tell you what, it's weird to be on the other end of yeah. that kind of explanation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's normally me that throws those out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Um in the TARDIS, uh sorry, we have the opening credits then, and then we're back in the TARDIS, and Donna quite rightly is freaking out and speculating about the loss of the son and if her family are dead. Uh, the doctor saying it's facing technology and, and they need help from the Shadow Proclamation. Now, up to this point, um, we've heard the Shadow Proclamation referenced and mentioned in, uh, in well, shadowy terms. But this the is the first time on screen, wasn't it? Yeah, first, and uh, the first, and I think the last. I don't recall seeing the Shadow Proclamation again. No, uh, no. very odd, odd-looking beings that they are, aren't they? Sort of, they're almost like albinos with bright red eyes, aren't they? Oh, the, uh, yeah. Well, that that is also a thing of albinism. Is is the red eyes sometimes? Oh, is it? Yeah, it is in um, it is in animals. Not so much in humans, I don't think. Oh, yeah, like a, like a, a white snake has red eyes, doesn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Mm, um, okay. But yeah, when yeah they are when when we get there, and also one of them apparently has like for like the power of foresight for some reason. Just you wow. know, someone someone delivering sustenance can see the future. Yes, yeah. there you go. A wait, a, a very uh, you know, fortune-telling waitress, I suppose. <laughs> have have some water. Oh, and by the way, this is going to happen in your future. Yeah, sometimes this feel so sorry for us, <laughs> and also the callback to something on your back as well from literally the episode before we've turned left. So yeah, I am. Um, the thing is that it'd be quite funny if if uh, she didn't have the power of foresight and just yeah. said that to everybody because she knows at some point everybody's going to suffer a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just giving it to freak people out. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just somebody really dissatisfied in her work, so decides to fuck about with people. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is kind of the first kind of point of foreboding, because mm. I know, yeah, going ahead into the episodes, there are more hints about something happening. 
the whereabouts through lost that's yet to come it's kind of like the first thing setting up that like, okay might not all be yeah happy happy endings but yeah something major is in the works yeah yeah um, but before we get there we're back in uh, we're back in cardiff and i just like the uh, it's yanto flicking through the news reports and uh, it lands on the, the the recently deceased paul o'grady yeah and I absolutely loved that because it was so spot on. It's like, you know, saying, have you seen these planets in the sky? And I look at them think, what was I drinking last night? Furniture polish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I used, to, I used to love a bit of Paul O'Grady. It, it you was know, funny. Afternoon. Yeah, when he's yeah. like, the, the planets in the sky, and then he turns to the side and goes, have you seen them? And it's like, well, yeah, of course everyone has, but it's just the way he was, wasn't it? It was, it was really well yeah. done. Yeah, it's a really nice yeah. little bit that they got in there. I think that's one thing that, going away from these episodes a bit, is how they do get centers and stuff like that to do bits like that and it does feel so natural like news reporters or kind of tv presenters or like when that thing is army ghost had the bit with barbarinza in these senders mm. yeah so how they kind of play those in like they don't, didn't have to but they went the extra mile and did it so i think that's another always admired about dot two is kind of it's a hallmark of the Russell T Davis era as yeah. well, because not only did they do that with the news presenters, but throughout his his sort of run as the as the main showrunner and writer and whatnot, yeah. he got the same news reporters back every time, just as a little point of continuity throughout the series. And I, it was just a, it was a little touch, but so smart. Yeah, I wonder if they were big fans themselves as well. Well, things I don't I don't know if some of them were actually news readers or if if it was just a making a point of having the same actor in. Okay. I think everyone I saw was either a TV presenter or news. Like, a lot of the people I see on the news I've seen on like BBC World News and stuff mm. like that. So, all right, okay. A lot of them have been actually real mm. uh, newscasters. Yeah, okay. which which I absolutely love. It just makes it even yeah. better. Um, so we're basically we're flitting back and forth between Cardiff and, and Ealing and, and Unit, and we're finding out that there are twenty six other planets in the sky, and there's a, a giant artificial structure in the middle and there's objects en route to earth rose is just casually walking around london with a giant gun yeah looks like gloucester on a friday night <laughs> with, the, explosions well, with, and fighting. With, with you as the drunk so shouting end of the stinking world <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> i also had to laugh as well at rose's attempt to be hard where she's just when she stops the rights is like do you like my gun that's yeah. fine <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you wouldn't be, it, it looked like a fucking super soaker. <laughs> yeah, or, or like one of those. Um, oh, what was it called? Universal Soldier was it? The, the where they got the massive guns and they're shooting the worms. Is that the one? No, I'm thinking um, that's not Universal Soldier, is it? I know what you're thinking of, but my brain's <sighs> farting on the answer. Yeah, but it, the gun looks similar to that. Anyway. It'll, it'll probably come to me in about half an hour, and I'll randomly shout out <laughs> in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> I look forward to that in three episodes' time. <laughs> um, but all, all of this is, um, you know, it's, it's quite amusing and whatnot and setting it up, but um, the real brilliant bit is oh, the, um, Jack calls Martha and talks about Project Indigo. Yeah. And you know how did Jack, how does Jack know about it's top secret? And he does what Jack does. Met a soldier at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Jack. He cracks me up so much. It's oh, later, later on Amazing in the second character. episode with, when they're talking about the three doctors. Yeah, <laughs> it's classic. Um, but then the communications start coming through, and it's the Daleks saying exterminate. And this was the first bit where you just the shit hits the fan and I absolutely love it because 
Jack for all his humour and and he can't die at this point. You know, he's immortal. He's <clears throat> he's safe. Just just pulling Gwen and Yanto close to him, yeah. kissing them both on the head. Sarah Jane stood there just silent but crying, and Martha's terrified. How um, good was Sarah think, Jane in that moment? Yeah. That the, the face, the eyes. How good was Sarah Jane there? She oh, was Elizabeth Faden was incredible. Like mm. that, she's one of the, like the standout performances. I think she's one of them. Like when like you actually felt the fear and everything. Yeah, and, like the look of fear in her face is like actually no, that's actually kind of she's genuinely scared. It's when Jack, when Jack says to to Yanto and Gwen, he says, "There's nothing I can do. We're dead." Yeah. And Sarah finally cracks. And she's pulling yeah. her son close and, you know, saying you're so young. And she, she was incredible right there. Yeah. Mm. yeah I've, got a, I've got a bit of a problem with her later on. But <laughs> but in that moment, she was brilliant. Um, and basically, shit's hitting the fan is the best way I can say it. We get a very cool walking away shot of, uh, of Rose walking away from the explosion as the Dalek fleet start blowing shit up, uh, which was quite nice. Uh, Geneva declare ultimate code red and everything's at war. This is one of those situations where the CGI hasn't aged brilliantly, but it doesn't yeah. look awful. Yeah, uh, there's. I didn't mind it too much here, but there's one later on that it looked a bit wobbly uh, that I've made a note of that I'll bring up when we come to it. But I think it's funny because we've said about the, on the show before, haven't we, Dan, that the CGI really ages new who, whereas the more practical effects, the actual the, the models and so on they're using Classic Who, sometimes help it not look as dated as it potentially could. Some of the CGI on this, I think, works. Some of it does look like it's, I mean, what are we talking? It's just it's 20 odd years old television, isn't it, roughly? So. It's about 15 years ago, I think. Yes. Like, okay. now, it was like 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like that, yeah, because it was 05 or 06. Yes, this was in 2008, so 15 years. Right, yeah, okay. But then you get, like, the, well, the very next scene, the, the Doctor lands the TARDIS in the Shadow Proclamation, and he's confronted by Jadoon, but the Jadoon practical effects still look good. Yes. And... I'm going to give this a go because I always laugh. For some reason, this exchange always tickles me. When the Jadoon looks at him and goes, Scobo, throw, no flow, joke, go, toto. And then the doctor, I don't know how David Tennant did this, but he stands there and he goes, no, bo, ho, show, co, ro, to, so, bucka, docka, zucka, boffa, joke. I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not trying it again. <laughs> and he, they all sort of stand down and he just raises his hand and goes, moho. How we yeah. get to straight face for that, I don't know. Yeah, because I was, I was laughing. Charlie was laughing. You know, I mean, the Jadine, they I know they're supposed to be like this, this scary, you know, space police race and so on. Mm. And we saw an episode, me and Charlie watching a Whitaker episode recently where they're in Gloucester, and it's yeah. it's the first with the 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 Doctor who's forgotten that she's the Doctor yeah. and all that sort of great stuff. There, they're they're quite full of peril. Yeah, I think can't help I but think, laugh at them, can you? Sorry, Chris. I think Jim Neil did handle Jadine arguably better. Yeah, um, I think Smith and Jones are fairly menacing where they did just kill people for not doing what they asked. But I think in um, the Jadine episode of Chibble Zero, that did kind of make it a bit more menacing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's three different scenarios for the Jadine yeah. as well. In Smith and Jones, they're effective the kind of mercenaries aren't they or you know they're supposed to be police but they're, they're there to do a heavy-handed job they're on, a, they're on a manhunt yeah they're on a manhunt you know police on a manhunt in this they are security guards effectively and then in in the chibnall era they're effectively mercenaries yeah. Mm. Yeah. so 
Starship Troopers. There you go. That's, That's the, the name of the film. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the one. I was thinking, I was thinking <laughs> of the Starship Troopers. There we go. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> it's all right. Um, basically, we've got the Doctor and, and the, the head of the Shadow Proclamation talking about missing planets, and we get the first good bit of sass from Donna. Uh, when uh, the leader of the Shadow Proclamation says, who is the female? He says, I'm Donna, I'm a human being. Maybe not the stuff of legend, but every bit as important as Time Lords, thank you. And Doctor has a look on his face, just like, that's my girl, good lad. Yeah, that, that was, <laughs> there wasn't much to it, was there? Just a, tight, just a little smirk, a little look, but it was so well done. What I liked about that scene as well, is when they talk about the missing planets, it tied together the little throwaway lines from yes. throughout the series. Yeah, again, another um, trademark of Russell T. Yeah. Um... It was a Pyrovilia. Yeah. Adipose um, 3. 3. The Lost Moon um, of Poosh. Yeah. Which is just a lot of fun to say. Poosh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, just watching the episode, you'd think, oh, they're far eight lines, and it's like, actually, no, it's kind of quite a big thing. Mm. Yeah, well, it, it did the same thing, did Russell T, with all yeah. the mentions of Harry Saxon. Yeah. Um, in yes. the previous seasons, and even extended those to Torchwood. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's where, so you can sort of tell where it fits in the timeline quite nicely. Um, but yeah, really great stuff. And we had all these in and it's 27, it becomes 27 planets in, and they sort of refor- reformat themselves into the optimum shape. Mm. And uh, we get a, a nice little hint of saying that someone tried to move the Earth once before, but it can't be. Yeah, it goes back to Dalek Invasion of Earth, isn't it? I think Matt, I got that from Matt. That, yes. That's, <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, because when you, you watch the Matt, 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 you could have taken yeah. credit for that, we wouldn't have. I know, but I've already admitted I haven't watched Classic Who, so I wouldn't <laughs> know it off the bat. So. Yeah, but that hinges on Sarah remembering yeah. and you caring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have just taken your word for it, I'm trusting. <laughs> um, so the, we cut away from that, though, and we're, the Daleks are going maximum extermination on the Helicarrier Valiant. Um, the Prime Minister's down, everything's knackered, and Martha's being taken to, uh, to Project Indigo because she's the only hope of finding the Doctor. And we find out that Project Indigo's an experimental teleport. Uh, yeah, like a sort of backpack kind of effort, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it looks like it like it's like a um, it's like a parachute with the two cards you pull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which was a bit weird, but why not? And she gets given something called the Osterhagen Key. Yes. which is uh, very ominous. And she... I'm, the, the name of that, I'm going to butcher for the whole episode, by the way. So the size going to be there called the B&M Bargains Key. <laughs> the, the Hagen Doss Key or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the Easter Wagon Key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Martha gets out of there just as the Daleks breach the uh, the unit HQ. All very dramatic. Um, you know, big firefights going on. It's, it's really good. It's... Um, and, we find out from Jack as well because he's on the phone. It's a it's an experimental teleport salvage from the Sontarans again, another tie yeah. mm-hmm. to previous seasons. But there's no coordinates or stabilization, so Martha is is down effectively, scattered into atoms. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, again, there's those little touches going back into previous stories, previous episodes. I think are so clever, and they're so subtly done. Because when you first hear them, or you first see them, um, we're going to come to it shortly, aren't we, with regards to the bees disappearing. That's mm. been mentioned a few times in previous stories as well. Now, when they happen, they're subtle enough to not make you go, oh, hang on, something's going to happen with this in a future episode. They don't stand out as being unusual. But they are, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, obvious enough 
for when you get the reveal, you go, oh, hang on. They were talking about that back then and back then and yeah. back then. I mean, Charlie's just turned 13. She straight away went, oh, my word. That's all that stuff from the past and the other episodes. So, I mean, it's good that it's not so subtle that people don't pick up on it, but it's subtle enough that it's kind of hidden in plain sight, maybe. It's like an unexpected payoff, isn't it? It's like, yes. oh, actually, that actually did need, that actually did need something. It's, yeah. but it's For me, it's borderline art form. Been yeah. To do that. It's just so, so good. I it, it just pops me so much. Like, I remember that. I understand it. It's the, it's the Captain America thing in, in Avengers. I get that, I reference. that reference. Yeah, yeah exactly. I so don't get like, that reference. I, yeah, I <laughs> side doesn't get that reference. No. Nope. Watch the MCU, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Daleks are rounding humans up and they need to start the Crucible. And we get Davros. Yes. We get fucking Davros, which is so good. Cool. You want to talk about brilliant performances throughout this two-parter. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't have time to do my usual dive into the cast, but whoever played Davros was fantastic. Is it um, Malloy, Trevor Malloy? Is that the guy's name? I don't know. I've not looked it up. <laughs> okay. I, I may be completely wrong there, and if I am, I apologise. Off the top of my head. Yeah, that's, that's it. it was Julian, someone, I think. So. Oh, okay. Okay, Trevor Malloy oh. might have played... Yeah, okay. So you said Julian, and the first Julian that popped into head was Julian Clary. I would love to see Julian Clary play Davros. Oh, that would have been great, wouldn't it? I'd watch that. I'd watch a whole spin-off of Julian Clary as Davros. You know? It'd be good. It would. I'd enjoy it. Uh, I'm, nobody else would watch it. But... <laughs> I'm definitely not just scrolling through. It was a fella called Julian Bleach. Ah, okay. That's one. Who played Davros. But Trevor uh, Malloy has probably nothing to do with Doctor Who at all, and I just made that up. He's <laughs> not even an actor. He may even be a footballer. I don't know. You've <laughs> played centre back for West Brom in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> did he, is that is that right? Did he just search that up? No, I've just pulled that straight out my ass. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure we've seen him in something else. Who Davros? Oh, no, he, he, repli- he reprised the role in uh, in the Capaldi era as well. Ah, I thought you meant we've seen Davros in something else, like popping up in the no, or something. Julian Bleach. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Julian Bleach. I've just found it somewhere else. It's yeah. A guy called Julian Bleach who paid him. Um, but he's asking the Supreme Dalek, is there any news of him? And we get this great exchange saying there's no sign of the Time Lord and, and basically saying the Supreme Dalek saying that victory is inevitable and Davros giving it back, saying you could almost mistake uh, that tone for victory. Yeah. If I hadn't taken away all your emotions, so beware your pride. Dalek Khan is uneasy, and it's Dalek Khan from the Daleks in Manhattan episodes. Yeah, yeah. just like and he's gone batshit crazy. <laughs> the abomination is insane, <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny as well because you look at it, he's kind of his casing is all mashed up and wrecked and so on, and chained down. But the actual Dalek part of it himself, I'm not, I, you couldn't quite make it out clearly, but I'm thinking, it could just pop off and just go for a little walk, couldn't it? The, the wiggly blancmange. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly said the wiggly one eyed blancmange, but that just makes it. Yeah, that's something different. <laughs> yeah. um, but we get, if we get to hear Dalek Khan, he's like, he is coming, the threefold man. He dances in the lonely places. Oh, creator of us all, the doctor is coming. I'm not going to try and do the voice call and not do it justice. Uh, yeah. But again, just fantastic. Um, back in the Shadow Proclamation, Donna's sort of spacing out and hearing a heartbeat, and then we get the uh, we get we get more foreshadowing of, uh, of a loss yet to come. Uh, we, and then we go back to the bees disappearing. Mm-hmm. 
as we yep. said before, um, <laughs> they were going back home to Melissa Majoria. And Donna's just like, what bees are here? They said, well, no, not all of them. Yeah, not um, all of them. <laughs> we, get a, we get a good bit of wee-woo-beep-boop saying that you can follow the Tandoka scale wavelengths used as carrier signals by migrant bees, infinitely small and like looking for a speck of cinnamon in the Sahara. <laughs> and they, uh, they, find this, um, they find this wavelength and decide to follow it. Uh, the Shadow Proclamation wants to seize the TARDIS and the technology is they're declaring war on, you know, war throughout the cosmos and want the Doctor to lead it. And he just says, I'm just, just go get the key. Yeah, Andy, Andy fucks off. Yeah, oh, so I'll pop out in a minute. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I just got to move some stuff around. It's a bit untidy. That's probably <laughs> why he's avoiding. Yeah, I haven't vacuumed. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got half of Infinity left to go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, we're back on Earth. The Daleks are still rounding people up. <laughs> Wolf's got another random weapon. Um, he's hiding Thank with uh, with Donna's. He's got the paint gun. And I love it. And he's like, it's like, it's a pig. It's like, exactly. They've only got one eye, so a quick, it just blind them. <laughs> that was um, Bernard Cribbin's idea, apparently, wasn't it? Have you seen that interview? Yeah, you've told me about it. I've not actually seen it. Didn't he, didn't he bring that with him or something? He, he messaged or rang, um, it must have been Russell T. Davis, I'm, I'm assuming, anyway, at, like crazy late at night, I think, saying he's just had this idea. And Russell, David, Russell T. Davis was just like, if Bernard Cribbins rings you up and says he wants to fight a Dalek of a paint gun, you just kind of let him. So that's the kind of how that scene got developed into the programme. <laughs> oh, I adore that. I adore that bloke so much. Brilliant, it? It's so great. Um, one bloke refuses to cooperate, throws a brick at a Dalek, which, you know, you've got to admire the bollocks on him for doing that. Uh, but they go to attack Formation 7, which, as we all know, blows up the whole house. Mm. Yeah, uh, yes, It's the worst of the attack formations, I find. <laughs> well we've never seen attack formation 8 they've never had a cause to use it this is true this is true attack formation 619 they just swing themselves around at you <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah okay <laughs> moving swiftly on um, Wilfred and, uh, to be honest I never know what Donna's mum's called I always forget her name uh, I just call her Donna's mum I think it's Sylvia or Sylvie that's Sylvia, it Sylvia, Sylvia. yeah uh, Actually, so in my what, notes here, I've, I've, I've spelt it wrong, and her name is Dunas, mum. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so they try to run away. They run into a Dalek. Wilf, with a great shot, first shot paintball right to the eye stock. Yep. Just awesome stuff, but the it's Dalek, off. yeah, just fizzles it off. Eats yeah. it up, it's gone. And, uh, my sight is not impaired. Yeah. <laughs> Goes to exterminate, but gets blown up by Rose. And yeah. Wilf just lit, just crouched there. Do you want to swap? Do you want to swap? <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of those moments in this one, isn't there? Where and I know it's, I don't mind it. It's not a criticism because I, I really enjoy it and it works for the story and so on. But those perfectly timed moments where mm. you're about to have some characters here killed and then Rose emerges just in time. There's yeah. a few of those as the story progresses where. I mean, it can be quite easy to do that and almost make it tongue in cheek or silly, but I think here it works. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of times you'd look at that and just go, well, that was convenient for the plot. Yes. But the way it's framed in this two parter is it happens and you, you celebrate yeah. because the, you're so involved with these characters by this point and everything's so intricate and well put together that mm. it becomes saving the day rather than just there to move the plot along. Yeah. I think also they kind of, 
explaining it straight afterwards. She's like, you don't know what's been looking for you. So it sets out the road is actively looking for them. So she would be in that area. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that yeah. kind of stuck out to me. It's actually, you know, it's what you said about, oh, it's not convenient. was actually a line of dialogue. Like two yeah. sentences later, actually, she spelled out exactly why she was there. Yeah, fair enough. So, <laughs> it, it's, it's something that I've noticed watching um, on with UTT when we do the Tankatory stuff and any time we've delved into sort of Russo-era television, mm-hmm. people will say what they want about that era and a lot of it's valid criticism, absolutely. But one thing they always did was take the time, take the extra few seconds to add in the touches to make things make sense. And this is exactly what Russell T is doing here. Yeah, it is like just that. great writing and great television. Um, but effectively, Rose is there, as you say, to, to find to try and find Donna, to find the Doctor. Uh, meanwhile, we're sort of drawing all the threads together at this point. The Doctor and Donna in the TARDIS reach the end of the Tandoka scale, but there's nothing there except the Medusa cascade. It's stopped and Donna, uh, Catherine Tate, gives a great little moment of really giving the Doctor some shit because she's so desperate, yeah. but really confused that he doesn't have a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she well, don't do this to me now. You always know what to do. That's that's it, isn't it? It's a case of have not seen that vulnerability before potentially. That's like the first part where kind of you really get that kind of intensity from Catherine Tate in that episode. Like just mm-hmm. going, so I actually know like like I think that's the most serious I've seen Catherine Tate up until first scenes out of the episodes. But as first I've seen her be. Like quite that serious. I know there were moments throughout the series where she's quite serious, but um, it's the most it's bit. the most consistent and yeah. when the stakes are at the highest. Yeah. Uh, has, it sounds it sounds really dismissive and, and daft, but this is kind of throughout the this series. This is her getting to consistently show off her, her acting chops. Yeah, Because yeah. a lot of sorry, Dan Carroll. No, I was going to say a lot of times in this series. She in this series four. She's a little bit one note and comes across. She can come across as a bit naggy or all mouth and no trousers and and, and all of this, which was everything I thought I didn't like about about her when it first aired. To be quite frank, I wasn't a fan. I was just like, oh, for God's sake, all she does is gob and never fucking does anything. But then over the years, as I've rewatched the episodes, I realised that she's actually she's actually a really good companion, and this sort of culminates it so well and gets to give Catherine Tate a chance to show her range and also give the character a fantastic send-off. It kind of shows how she matures throughout the series as well, especially taking the Monterey Bride mm. and the first instruction and how kind of... I think I put in the message to you guys earlier, I really didn't get a great first impression. I kind of warned her a bit by the end of that episode. But then on like, Series 4, she's kind of grew and grew and grew and then I like, actually... What I thought were kind of like silly ideas of hers actually paid off, and like when you mm. realised about this, no, the no sick days, or like noting the dates from that uh, in the war episode with the doctor's daughter. Yeah. Um, so I think she had most of brilliance, and this is how she matured across the series, which I think is really great. Especially when you go to the end of the second part and kind of what happens there is kind of that's kind of a heartbreaking part of how much he's changed, and then yeah, you yeah. see what happens. I can't wait to see what the what they do with her in the uh, in the 60th anniversary. Yeah. Well, this was this was I was going to kind of bring it up later on, but you've kind of covered everything here and now. To be fair, I was going to ask <laughs> yeah. people's thoughts on on Donna as a companion, because I remember when she she came into the show and it was announced she was joining the show and so on, and 
I was very much like, again, unfairly, because I'd not seen her in the show yet, but when it came out that she was going to be part of Doctor Who, I was I, I was very negative. I was very much like, oh, God, so the comedian, really? Do we want this? And, you know, all that sort of, I suppose, judgmental bullshit that I shouldn't have done because I should have given her a fair chance. But at the time, I was very much like, oh, no. And the first few stories, I was not convinced whatsoever. But I think a lot of that is my preconceived notion of who Catherine Tate is and what she's done in the past. Mm. Because again, I used, uh, you know, if you've heard the show before, Chris, you'll be aware. I use my daughter, Charlie as a sounding board a great deal because she's watching this for the first time and she's much younger than I and so on. She has no knowledge about who Catherine Tate is other than being Donna Noble in Doctor Who. She's Mm. never seen her in anything else. So when she arrived uh, in the runaway bride episode, this was the first time my daughter had ever seen who this person was. And she loved her straight from the off. She had no preconceived ideas or anything like that. And the way she was shouting at the doctor, telling him off almost at times, she loved and she was laughing her head off. Whereas I mm-hmm. found it more irritating yeah. because I suppose I maybe had had in my head an idea of what she was going to be like beforehand or something. I'm not too sure if that makes sense. I think for me, especially the one I brought, it was the contrast from Rose. Okay. You literally just lost Rose, and it's a completely different kind of character and kind of different way of being around the Doctor. It's kind of like maybe that kind of bit jarring bit, getting used to how she's different and how that interaction with the Doctor happened. And kind of, and then coming in after Martha as well. Yeah. Mm. It was Mar- Martha had a real moment of strength and grew yeah. into the role that you saw how her character matured. But for a lot of it, she was a bit sort of doughy eyed and, and all the rest of it, wasn't yeah. she? And, um, you know, a bit woe is me kind of thing as, as the doctor's getting over Rose. Um, but yeah, I think, like looking back on it now, I think also I'll be perfectly honest, I was a you know, I was a 19 year old shithead when this first came out. <laughs> Donna, you know, Donna's Donna's giving it a load of gob and all that, and I was just like, oh, shut the fuck up, how dare you speak to the doctor like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just like, geez, I look back and I just fucking cringe because, you know, let's be right, none of us are the same as when we were 19. But no. yeah, I'm just like, what What was I thinking, really? Not liking Donna, she is great. You mentioned as well, Dan, about Martha being a bit woe as me at times. We come to the next scene here, uh, and basically everyone's doomed, effectively. Are they? That's what we're getting told. Every, everyone's doomed. It's the end of the world, end of the universe. The shit's hitting the fan. And then Harriet Jones the former prime minister yeah, puts together this call oh loved it loved it puts together this this call of almost like how we're doing now everyone talking effectively yeah. on space skype or whatever she's got there the subway subway there you go okay <laughs> and it is you have martha you have uh jack Torchwood, uh, yeah yeah you know, and sarah, sarah jane, jane. And, and then you get the reveal of the fourth screen and Rose is in um, Donna's house with Donna's mum and granddad shouting at the screen, Doctor, I'm here, it's me, it's me. The fourth screen comes up and it's Martha. Yeah. And um, we're talking woe is me and all this sort of stuff. This is the thing that I mentioned at the start of our recording today where Rose just pissed me off. It's like yeah. just, she's just... Yeah, who the hell is she? Getting, yeah, getting so sulky and jealous over Martha. I, I was here first. <laughs> And it's like, you know, a little bit of perspective here, love. You know, the the world, the whole universe is about to end. Perhaps solve your pining, you know, put it on the back burner, get the problem solved first, you know. You start to think, I don't think your motivation for saving the universe is quite coming from quite the right place. No, it, <laughs> it, it just really annoyed me. I was just like... It's, it's almost like, you got her hopes up and then got disappointed because you thought she might be on that call and kind of... 
So it's kind of probably an instant reaction, but yeah, it was a bit kind of sulky yeah. teenager. Yeah. Outside of Rose, though, I did like at the start of the call where it's received in Torchwood and Jack's just there saying the whole world's crying out, just leave it. Yeah. And Harriet can obviously hear me, she's Captain Jack Harkness, shame on you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Someone knows me. And, you know, a little bit of convenient storytelling. Project Indigo took, to, uh, took Martha to her mum's, <laughs> just by chance. Yes. It, yes. It's, it's slightly psychic, like the paper. Um, yeah, I mean, that works for me. I've got no problems with that. Yeah, it's fine, isn't it? it it's, it's all good. Um, but obviously, Harriet knows what the Osterhagen key is and tells Martha not to use it under any circumstances. So, a great little drop in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rosie's saying she's here first and she asks, she asks if, uh, Wilf and Sylvia if there's a webcam. And Wilf says she wouldn't let me. She says they're naughty. They're naughty. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great oh. thing about Russell D. Davis. If you have really serious moments, you'd have that little one line that would just pick yes. the mood up. And and so it doesn't, it doesn't person, get too dark, but it's just like that one little line stuck in there. And basically, <laughs> Rosie's presence is hidden from the whole thing because Sylvia thought Wilf would whack it on webcam. <laughs> 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 Which is just, hysteri- just hysterical to me. Um, but they're going to use the subwave network to bring everybody together. They're going to use the power of the rift to broadcast the phone number. Mr. Smith can link every telephone exchange on Earth. And Yanto bit of a downer but he's quite right points out that the transmission will make the subway visible and Harriet says yes and they'll trace it back to me but my life doesn't matter not when there are people dying in the streets mm-hmm. it's like he's kind of going back to the core of the Harriet Jones character where she's always been at heart a, a, a very good person and, and noble and wanting to change the world for the better yeah. even though she did get a little bit misguided with the uh, the Sycorax yeah, and I like this as well because the last the Sycorax stuff that was the last time we saw her, wasn't it? Before this, yeah. is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's almost left the show then under a bit of a cloud, almost like a bit of a I wouldn't say a bad guy, but mm. you know some some questionable actions her, in her mind. They're the right thing, but do you know what I mean? Like the Doctor doesn't agree with it, so as the viewer, you almost kind of, kind of side with the Doctor. But here, it's almost like she gets that little reprieve. She gets she gets that a nice resolution i guess to the way she is as opposed to her last sighting being uh, as it was with the sycorax i think or it's a redemption little, potentially. It's a little, yeah redemption arc but i do love the little callbacks like where she uses her passport it's like harriet james former prime minister yes <laughs> and um that, i know who you are i think in the first yeah. series someone like we don't know who you are like like who are you kind of thing so i think um, there's little callbacks to that. The Daleks. <laughs> yeah, it's like we know who you are. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's you know they, they get the signal out there, and I've never actually tried to dial the number, uh, but it's oh double seven double oh nine double oh four six one. I really hope that's nobody's actual mobile number. I think it was on. a dummy account made up. But don't You'd know if so. you have it. But um, I think there are certain phone numbers which are just left as dummy numbers that don't actually get issued. Yeah. What's the number, Dan? Um, are you going to call it? Uh, 007. Uh, 007. 007. 007. 009. 009. 004. 61. This is where it's actually going to dial someone now. <laughs> uh, okay. It just hangs up. Oh, all right. It That's said shit. you have dialed an incorrect number. And then oh, incorrect man. Number. Imagine, if, imagine if it still had like a voicemail <laughs> from David Tennant or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> But Harriet really does get a, a, a really nice exit from the show. Yeah. Um, she says, tell the Doctor from me he chose his companions well. 
and the Daleks crash into a house and you know she's Harriet Jones former Prime Minister it's like we know who you are yeah. <laughs> and she says but she just looks him dead in the eye stalks and says oh you know nothing of any human and that will be your downfall brilliant far as last words go pretty good yeah, pretty good um, but the, the signal that they put out basically pulls the TARDIS through the, the rift in the Medusa cascade that's been set one second out of sync with the rest of the universe, yeah. which is a pretty just a pretty cool thing. And I love it because the Doctor's screen pops up where Harriet's was, and the first thing Jack says is, where the hell have you been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you would, wouldn't you? You'd be like, you know, what's going on? You've got no time for... Um... I, I don't know. They do have a little bit of a catch up, a little bit of oh hi, yeah. it's nice to see you and all that. It, but I love first as I well. love this going back a bit with uh, Harry Jones being there, but when um Jack fancies Sarah Jones like, who's this? And Harry Jones like, not now, not now, Captain. <laughs> but he does exactly <laughs> oh, yeah, the same. looking good, man. <laughs> She's like, Really? <laughs> and then, then Donna's the guy the same who's here and it's like the doctor's yeah. like, No. Because you don't <laughs> <laughs> But even when even uh, Gwen, when she yeah. sees the Doctor for the first time, she's oh, he's nice. I thought he'd be older. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like the callback to series one when Eve Miles was the Gwyneth oh, yeah. housemaid and yes, the Charles Dickens which, um, which we'll actually, which spoiler alert, we're actually going to be covering covering later this season. Nice. Just <laughs> so as like the fact that it's just like the lineage of the family and kind of like. Yeah, I've um, noted down what they call it later on. Um, yeah. Genetic spatial gobbledygook or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they all have a, a catch-up and Donna says it's like an outer space Facebook. Yeah. And the Doctor says everyone except Rose. Yeah. Yeah, and we Yeah, we get to see Rose looking all sad again. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of those where they're so close yet so far apart sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, just uh, they just cut from that and the Dalek uh, Dalek Khan is just cackling because he can sense the Doctor and Davros gets patches into the subwave yeah. and the Doctor thinks it's Rose and he's just your voice is different and yet his arrogance is unchanged <laughs> yeah which there's so much quotable from Davros yeah across the whole thing and Sarah Jane's reaction to hearing that voice as well again just like when she first had the Daleks mm. just kind of just spot on it's just like actually it's you know so- like you know there's history there you know no, this is like a big threat. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. I, I, Elizabeth Sladen is, is fantastic in this. I think. I, yeah. I, I'm in classic Who, and when you've seen her in New Who, I, I'm not saying that she's a terrible actress by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think she's the strongest companion. Mm. They, well, no, companion. Yes, she's fantastic. But as an actress, uh, her performances are sometimes not as good as maybe they could be. Yeah. But in this story, oh my word, that she is fantastic in all of this. Mm. Yeah, I think it comes with experience as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she's got thirty years' experience. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This so, is true. And I yeah. guess at that point, she'd be playing Sarah Jane again for a little while because she'd been doing some of the Sarah Jane adventures at that point. So she's yeah, familiar with the character again and where the character was at that point. Yeah, but I love the sort of the reintroduction of Davros and you know welcoming him to his welcoming the Doctor to his new empire and you know witness the resurrection and triumph and. You know, said, you know, have you nothing to say? And the doctor's giving a bit of backstory. So you were destroyed in the very first year of the time war. I saw your command ship flying to the jaws of the nightmare child. I tried to save you. And then we find out that Dalek Khan used his emergency temporal shift to go back in the time war and save Davros. Mm. 
which is you know Davros is beginning up saying that he succeeded a single Dalek succeeded where emperors and time lords failed. Which is yeah, it's kind of, away, isn't yeah, it? it's this verbal one-upsmanship that's so good. And then yeah. back to the back to the point we were making about special effects before and CGI and practical when he says he made a new race of Daleks from his own flesh. And you can see yeah, he pulls his coat back and you can see his rib cage exposed and yeah, he's all rotting. His heart, stuff, beating, his heart beating yeah. underneath. It's just like, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. And he says, you know, he says, I have my children, doctor. What do you have? And we get this really sort of some the, the, the tenant somberness that we know from, from his runner's doctor. He says, after all this time, after all we've lost, I've only one thing to say to you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty great. Yeah. Um, he lands, uh, he lands a TARDIS on Earth. Khan, Dalek Khan's predicting everlasting death for the most faithful companion. Yeah. Uh, the Daleks find the source of the subwave in Torchwood. The alarms are going off in Cardiff. Jack has the teleport base code from Martha to get his vortex manipulator work uh, working. So all the threads are pulling together, um, and he, he just buggers off as uh, picks up his gun from Series One. Yeah. <laughs> As, he, as the Daleks start attacking Torchwood, Mister Smith's calculating where the TARDIS is going to land. Uh, Sarah leaves leaves Luke under the, under Mister Smith's protection, and Rose is asking for control to lock onto the TARDIS and teleport her out. Um, the TARDIS lands, the sort of surveying the disru- destruction of the Doctor and Donna, and the Doctor asks Donna what Rose told her in the parallel universe, and we get one of the really sort of huge moments from this era of Doctor Who. When Donna says, "Why don't you tell her yourself?" Yeah, and he Ask turns her yourself and yeah. Is there. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching this the first time and just being like, "Yes!" <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, that's, that's when Charlie's bear came up for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I'm wiping away a tear. I think Charlie, yeah, because she's she adores Rose. Rose is like her favorite. Yeah, she's a lot of people's favorites as well. You know, just first companion back. It was oh. it was just great to see him back in. It's and it's this almost almost cheesy like running towards each other bit they almost wanted to slow-mo and some music playing and just... yeah. <laughs> yeah and then the doctor eats a bolt off a Dalek yeah it's just when you see that Dalek come on like the weapons of the Dalek come around and change mm. the music it's just kind of like oh you sort of like, shit 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 <laughs> you go like, which one's it going to go for and it's like oh god yeah and then you know Jack appears just a fraction too late to blow yeah. the uh, to blow the Dalek up and uh, you know Rose is cradling the Doctor as he's obviously been exterminated, and he says, <laughs> "No, a long time no see," because he's trying to laugh it off in his very tenant yeah. way. Mm. Um, and the, you know Jack wants to get him in the TARDIS and, and all of this. Um, Gwen's this sorry, is, go on. Um, sorry. When he's um, uh, the Doctor gets shot here, doesn't he? Yes. And mm. when that's happening, yeah. he's trying to get him in the TARDIS. He picks up Rose's gun as well as his own gun. All of a sudden, those things looked like they weighed half a ton each, didn't they? They're running around with them throughout the whole episode quite quite comfortably, despite their size. But when Jack's got the two of them, it's like, whoa, these things, you know, and it really came across how big and bulky these things actually were. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, the gun he had in season one, Rick, is, is a two-hander, isn't it? He's got one handle at the back and one at the front. It's almost, you know, like a, I don't know what kind of, it's like a Gatling gun almost kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, Jack's one's a two-hander, and I think, Roses has to be. As Rose, well. Rose had two hands on hers as well when she was using it. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I think they are both two-handed guns. Wouldn't be the first time Jack's handled two big ones on his own, though. Let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, had to. Had to. 
There'll be fan fiction of that somewhere, around. <laughs> yeah, there's bound to be. There's bound to be. <laughs> We're all 34 of the internet, my friends. <laughs> uh, back in Torchwood, Gwen's getting guns and Yanta saying those don't work against Daleks. And Gwen has, again, a great line. She says, I'm, if, if I'm going out, I'm going out fighting like Owen and like Tosh, which is yeah. just a great callback to season two of that, Torchwood. That was uh, Hammerblow, because series two of Torchwood was just before series four of Doctor Who, so it's still mm-hmm. quite fresh for a lot of people. Yeah, and all that stuff with Owen and Tosh. So last ep- two, the Jesus. last episode of series two is just like... Shit. I think, I think well, Torchwood likes to rip your heart out, I think, is one way to say it. Some episodes, yeah. We, and to, in fact, what we might do one season is actually one of our specials might be the first episode of Torchwood because the first episode of Torchwood is, I think, widely regarded quite rightly as being a, a bit shit. Yeah, oh no, no, it's the second episode, I think, with the, the second uh, episode with the uh, yeah, the um, with the, with, sex pest, yeah, yeah, the sex pest, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a. It's a that, that was, I think that was the thing I was tortured trying to prove how adult they were. So they yeah, kind of a, graphic, alien, graphic, and then they went kind of. Yeah, it was nearly increased the fed on orgasm energy. Right. Okay. And it, and it possessed. <laughs> and it was possessed a teenager in Cardiff. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> or like, or, or like, say I'd say throw it at Gloucester on a Friday night. Yeah. Well. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, they're getting the doctor back in the TARDIS. Regeneration's beginning. Uh, Sarah Jane nearly drives into two Daleks uh, who don't accept her surrender. And Gwen and Yanto start firing. Rose tells Donna about regeneration as it fully kicks in. And this might be the biggest set of cliffhangers ever in Doctor Who. Oh, you've got potential like three or four all together, haven't you? In separate little bits. Potential I, yes. and a regeneration. Because like Rob Rob jokingly said, and you know, when we did his episode, and that's where the Doctor died. And this, the Doctor is actually dying. Mm. So what did um, you guys make of this? I still remember the headlines on the Monday after the episode aired. Like, every newspaper in the UK was kind of like, BBC Air, biggest shock ever, because at that point, David Tennant wasn't confirmed to be leaving. Um, so people were actually thinking, were they actually, had they secretly got a new doctor? Was it all actually going to happen? And like, it was billed as one of the biggest surprises in British history or television history. Mm. And like, the reaction was just like crazy. Like, I remember speaking to people at work about it the day after, like, like nobody could wait until the next Saturday. Everyone was like, I need to know what happens. Mm. Like, who's yeah. going to be the new doctor and stuff like that, even though. Going ahead to the next episode, we know what happens, but like literally the the buzz that created, I think, is probably the, one of the biggest buzzes I've seen around a TV show, all that I can vividly remember. Yeah, I think the only the only other buzz I think was around the final uh, the final episode of Game of Thrones, maybe. Yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah, I've not. I tried to watch Game of Thrones, got halfway through the first series, and just didn't. Was well, you know when you're forcing someone to forcing yourself to watch something you're not really enjoying it yeah well it, it, says a, yeah. it says a lot that the first season of game of thrones i uh, yeah. while i was watching it i started reading the books just so i could get my head around who, who everybody's name was <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway this was fantastic this set of uh, cliffhangers and and what a fake out looks we start journey's yeah. end and the doctor funnels his regeneration energy into the spare hand that he got from jack which he had cut off in the very first christmas yeah. special it literally like, only got, got shown one little scene in the first part of the story in Zona. Yeah. Like he had one TARDIS shot where it sat underneath the console. 
Yeah. I think mean, it's so, been sort of there all so, series, just in the Yeah, background. so there's been like little shots of it here and there. Again, it's just like leading up to something. Okay, so he's still got his hand. What's that about? It's, yeah, it's Jack's doctor detector from yeah. season one of Torchwood. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously I knew we got back from Jack at the end of series three, but it's just kind of. But yeah, it's just that she came into play at the beginning of that episode, so. <laughs> Yeah, and then all the all the cliffhangers though they I mean it's brilliantly done it really is and yeah. the tension mounts and then the music hits and you're like no don't don't yeah. end you know there's like the two be continued flashing up one word at a time it's just like yeah and then they're all resolved in like a minute yeah <laughs> which is that <laughs> you thought yeah, I was going to die but it's all fine yeah there you go yeah. Mickey and Jackie appear to blow up the yeah. Daleks attacking Sarah Jane, and Mickey, us Smith's got a stick together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jackie just out introduced herself. Jackie Tyler, Rose's mum, where the hell's my daughter? Yeah. It's like, Sarah doesn't fucking know. I, I love Jackie, though. She's fantastic. She's so yeah. good. Oh, she's so funny. Like, throughout the whole uh, the whole run, she's just great. Yeah. Um, Gwen Yancey. Like, yeah, well, Jackie, I think, got was a bit underrated, especially some of the stuff in Series 1. Mm. Um, when like, she first meets the doctor and I was like the, the handsome mom handsome man will bet you it's like no <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the dressing game or whatever yeah <laughs> she, I think the, the thing with Jackie is she brings a real human element to it all yeah like because she doesn't necessarily give a shit about all the spacey stuff all that she just wants her family and her friends her family to be safe. safe yeah and and she'll do anything to do it but other than that she's just like it's a funny comparison to make, but I've just thought of it. Later on, she Graham has the same effect. Yeah, 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 true. You know when he's going on about you know just wanting sandwich or you know somewhere to go to the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very down to earth. Adding that little bit of humour and so on. Yeah, definitely. Any bit of normality to the sci-fi yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Graham just grounding the whole thing, and then we go immediately more sci-fi because Gwen and Yanto are firing uh, at the dialect, but it's not advancing, and the bullets are suspended, sort of matrix-like in midair. Yeah. And they're in a, they're essentially in a time bubble that Tosh was working on before. Uh, yeah, before she exited Torch, would yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's because we go back to the TARDIS and Tennant's there. He he knew what he was going to do, I'm sure, as he was regenerating, but didn't either have the energy or the inclination to tell everybody. And they're all just kind of looking at him. Going, I mean, we're glad you're all right, but you could have fucking told us. <laughs> I think he probably didn't say anything just in case it went wrong because I think it's one of those things if you missed out the timing slightly it probably could have gone wrong <laughs> accidentally oh, blasts one of the pillars in the TARDIS yeah <laughs> his aim was a bit awry and you know he goes off all this you know he funneled it into his handy spare hand and she, you know Rose is saying you're still here gives him a big hug and then Donna again stood next to Jack he's like you can hug me if you want yeah <laughs> it's like no really no, no really you can hug me <laughs> <laughs> but again just a nice moment of levity yeah from all the uh, all the insanity, but then more peril. The Daleks have found the TARDIS. Uh, they initiate a temporal prison. Mickey, Jackie, and Sarah see the TARDIS being transported, and they surrender to be taken to the Crucible. Um, yes, not the snooker venue. No, they didn't just go to Sheffield. Yeah, <laughs> especially not after uh, not after how uh, turn left uh, treated Leeds. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> sending us to Leeds. Oi, it's not that bad. Um, I've lost where I am now because I've been ranting about how to talk, <laughs> talk about the North. Um, I do like when they are taken up and all the powers out in the TARDIS to start talking about them because Rose's universe seems to be a bit further ahead. Yeah. Of our universe. She's ask, they're asking what's going on. It's like the darkness and 
when I looking for this device, they could track timelines. Everything seems to be converging on Donna. Mm. So that's like another big indication that Donna's sort of a bit more. Yeah, they're really building to it. Yeah. Yeah. And and Martha, meanwhile, has teleport. She's no, she's figured out how the teleport now uh, work now yeah. works with Jack explaining the base code, and she's now sixty miles outside Nuremberg in Germany. Yeah. And somehow Dalek speaking German makes the German angry. Yes. Yeah. Was the German's very blunt, almost aggressive language, anyway, isn't it? With the way it's punctuated yeah. and and so on. But in that that Dalek tone, yeah, it's quite chilling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and as uh, as Chris just mentioned, we get the uh, sort of the explanation from Rose about the parallel world, and then you know we get Doctor step forth or die, and we find out that the extrapolator shielding is no use against da- against a Dalek Empire at the height of its power, and Donna gets trapped in the TARDIS. Yeah, here's the heartbeat, which kind of I did like it though when Tennant turns to them and says, "It's been good though, hasn't it? All that we yeah. did tells them all they were brilliant." Yeah, it's almost yeah. like Epson's exit, where he's saying everyone's brilliant, but it didn't go as far as saying I was brilliant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not quite short of saying I was brilliant, but like it did start off with like, okay, is he going to do like an Epson kind of moment? Mm. Yeah, that was a nice little callback. That, to be honest, yeah. I didn't even notice until he mentioned it. Um, but the uh, the TARDIS gets dropped down into the core of the Crucible that has a heart of Z neutrino energy, yeah. which, as we all know, is the uh, the most dangerous type of energy. We will be boop. We will be boop. <laughs> this is the bit where I thought the CGI that stood out to me as the CGI looked a bit wobbly here when it was getting yeah. lowered into. Yeah. That's when it did look a bit dated, but it wasn't terrible. But it did look a little. No, I've still seen worse. I've seen worse in some things, but um, yeah, it does kind of age it a little bit. Yeah, but I can I can look past that. It's yeah, it, it's all good. And the TARDIS lands in the car. The Doctor's being made to watch as it sort of just disintegrates but while they're in there Donna hears the heartbeat again touches the hand yeah. that's now glowing with regeneration energy the supreme dialect's gloating about the doctor watching the TARDIS die and uh, a full David Tennant regenerates out of the hand yeah and sits up we have a great exchange of, it's you oh yes you know, <laughs> you're it's, naked it's, it's you oh yes you're naked oh yes <laughs> <laughs> the doctor in the buff <laughs> Oh, in an exploding TARDIS. Yeah. The sequels agree. The Daleks counting down from 10 as the TARDIS disappears and uh, says, now tell me, Doctor, what do you feel? Anger, hopelessness, despair. <laughs> and all he can say is, yep. Says, then if emotions are so powerful, surely we have enhanced you. Jack, Jack just yells, feel this, and starts firing shots and gets exterminated. And obviously the Doctor can't say anything, otherwise the Daleks will know. But Rose is just like, she thinks he's dead to all intents and purposes. Yeah, Rose doesn't know what happened after the end of Series 1. No, because uh, she was, uh, she was totally just to pick up. It's clever by Jack, this, isn't it? Very clever. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you watch Torchwood, he, he's pretty... By this point, Jack is well over 130 years old. Okay. Probably knocking up 200. Um, so he's, he's learned a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> um, the TARDIS appears outside the Crucible in space. The new Doctor's finished repairs and got dressed. He says you've got to stay quiet on it, like on a submarine where you can't drop a spanner, don't drop a spanner. And 
it's I love Donna in this as well because is this what Time Lords do? We we'll lop a lop a bit off and grow another. You like worms? Yeah. Like worms? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as as we as we guessed, the new Doctor is unique because it's an instantaneous biological meta crisis. Which we want. Just like that's where we had like little kind of Donnerisms appearing in the Doctor. Then it's kind of like yeah responses. I get the feeling that Tennant and Tate both had great fun yeah doing this. And later on with Catherine Tate as well, you know, getting to getting to bleed those mannerisms in and, and kind of take not parody, but you know, take off the characters of each yeah. other. Yeah, really cleverly done. I, I love that exchange; absolutely fantastic. Yeah, when she says, "Oh, I watch it, Spaceman. Oh, I watch it, Earth Girls." <laughs> oh, one heart. I'm human. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just oi, oi. <laughs> And they're saying, but we get again we with that humour, we get it taken, we get it taken more serious again because yeah, it's, it, the doctor is trying to tell Donna that she's special. It's just a matter of fact, and he says, "Oh, you really don't believe that, do you?" I can see Donna what you're thinking. All that, all that attitude, all that lip, because all this time, you really think you're not worth it. Shouting at the world because no one's listening. No, why would they? That 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 line shouting yeah. at the world because no one's listening. Oh, very powerful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And she, but it's Donna as well, where she shows, she shows that moment of vulnerability. She's like, "Stop it." And that's another thing where I kind of like these episodes. There are those deep moments where, like, it really touches down to the characters. And like, what Dalek Khan says, you get to see the Doctor's soul. Mm. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, there's there's just so much at play in this, um, and you know, but the Doctor explaining, you know, if she came to the TARDIS, she found him again. He met a granddad, a, a car was parked yeah. right where the TARDIS was going to land. Something's been drawing them together. But the strands are still drawing together. Yeah. Just brilliant, brilliant moment. And again, just it, the way I'm, the way we're sort of, jerk, go, sort of going through it quite quickly, it, sounded, it sounds like it, you'd be sort of jerked around. But I've said it before, this is one that takes you along for the ride. It doesn't leave you behind. Yeah. You never feel like it's throwing you around from place to place. Like, I think all the scenes take place where they should do. So quite easy to follow mm. so even though you are going to different groups of people you can't know exactly where you are still in the story it's really it, really well written isn't it yeah and it always feels like it's going somewhere it's, it still now feels yeah. like everything's drawing together we've seen a few stories where it's felt like it's spinning its wheels right haven't we said just you know yes. bits and pieces where like, that could have been shorter you know yeah, that yeah. could have been more concise and they've just padded it out for runtime. absolutely none of that here um, no, I think that's trimmed things off, didn't they? I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because we're in Germany now, uh, with Martha giving uh, giving the code to uh, to a woman who's guarding this castle, who's then following through talking about London, and, and she knows what the Osterhagen key does, and holds Martha at gunpoint, telling her not to go, but Martha doesn't have a choice. She threatens to sh- uh, to shoot her, and it Martha calls her on it. So like, do it then. Do it. <laughs> Yeah, well, she calls the um, the German lady calls the um, the Daleks the the German word for nightmare, yeah. and she basically says to Martha that she's as bad as the nightmare. I don't know if any of you speak any any German. Tiny, no, tiny. I, I did French. Yeah, a lot of a lot of mine's a lot of mine's gone. But it's kind of the good thing about this is you kind of don't need to speak German. Yeah. Because you can, it, the the way it's delivered in the context says so much. Yeah, you kind of get where what they're saying, even though you don't know the words. Yeah. It's when it's when as Martha's getting in the lift, and, and this woman says to her, "Zohola mit dir," it means to hell with you. Mm. And Martha yeah. just looks at her and just says, "I know." 
Yeah, because again, we're, we're coming to this whole thing with the, the Hagen Dust key and, and how <laughs> horrific and terrible it, it, it potentially can be. And those who are aware of what it is are there, you know, you think back to Harriet Jones as well. That can yeah. never, ever, ever be used. And, you know, it's really adding. Yeah, it's like, why would you use that? Yeah. How could something be that bad? That yeah, just be what used? is it? <laughs> you need to know at that point. Um, but again, jumping around, would the Daleks are burning Jack's body? He crawls out of the incinerator and runs away with his coat suspiciously intact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Martha takes a seat at the Osterhagen key station and is hailing others. Uh, Mickey, Jackie, and Sarah Jane are on the crucible. Davros in the vault at, at, uh, activates holding cells because even when powerless, a Time Lord is best contained. Yes. And I like David, I like Doctor, sorry, David Tennant, I like the Doctor diverting the conversation with Davros, trying to rile him up and accusing him of being the, the, the Dalek's servant or pet. And yeah. the Davros having to make, we have an arrangement. Mm. That's kind of a big twist because that's the first time we realise he's not actually in the control room or something like that, that he is actually in a vault. It's only at that yeah. point you actually know he's not quite as in charge as you think he is. He's he's been used to come up with these ideas, yeah. but the Daleks are keeping him under lock and key because he's not true Dalek. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's the one who's their creator. He's the one who's rebuilding the the empire with his cells, but so they can't kill him. So they need his cells, but mm. but he's not actually running the show, which we kind of thought he was up to that point. Yeah, the yeah, it's a great little twist. The delivery of that line as well, like we have an arrangement. Yeah. The tone of voice and the delivery really shows that it, it, Davros doesn't want to admit this. Yeah, but he knows the crack deep down, doesn't he? Yeah, he just doesn't want to lose, lose face in front of his most bitter enemy. Yeah, and that's why Davros, I guess, quickly as the Doctor changes the conversation, so does Davros, because he turns to Rose and he's saying, "So very full of fire, is he not?" And to think you cross dimensions parallel after parallel to find him. And he says the doctor gets his lever alone, you know, gets all that, which is in uh, the Matt Smith episode, uh, Amy's Choice. Uh, Toby Jones is in it and he does a great, um, he, there's a great bit where he sort of parodies that and takes the piss out of it. So when we get to that side, I'll point it out. Um, okay. Well, you'll have seen it. But I, just, I assume you wouldn't remember it. Probably. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Davros trying to hammer home just how helpless it is and. He's ba- she's basically there because Dalek can't for it. Yeah. And he, you know, he's there babbling about the you know the end is coming and he's he's the last of the cult of Scaro, saying you know can saw time, it's infinite complexity and majesty raging through his mind, which is another great line. And then saying the Doctor will be here here as witness to the end of everything, the Doctor and his children of time, and one of them will die. Yes. I do think they did Dark Khan really well because that could be something that could go across quite cheesy, but it did come off quite creep, quite creepy. Yeah, quite, it's quite sinister. Like, yeah, you yeah. could think, oh yeah, there's a big, big, bit of a comedic kind of crazy person in the corner, but actually, mm-hmm. it was actually quite menacing. It's actually like all the foreboding. So actually, you know, that's kind of yeah, building the tension quite a bit. So I think they did oh, Dark yeah. Khan really well. The madness and the laughter and uh, it, it, the, the giggling hype. Like the yeah, it, it's mm. really, it adds, doesn't it? Rather than, it yeah, can be laughed at, I suppose. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm, we're going to start bouncing around at a fair clip here just because the, there is a lot to get through. Yeah. But the, the last thing from this scene is, and, and something that we'll come back to, is the, the difference in perspective that we get in terms of the Doctor's character and how he's viewed by the companions and Davros. 
because Davros gets it, you know, the doctor starts shouting at Khan to tell him what's going on. And we get from Davros, there it is the fire and rage of a Time Lord who butchered millions. Mm-hmm. There he is. Why so shy? Show your companion. And that's when we get to that the doctor's true soul will be revealed and we'll discover what that means together. But it's time to begin testing. It's like testing of what? And Davros just matter of factly says the reality bomb. Oh, so calmly, just the reality bomb. As if the Doctor should know, and how haven't you figured this out yet? Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, Mickey, Jack, and Sarah in the testing area. There's a, a, a counting down from ten um, because and it's <laughs> we will beat poop. The twenty-seven planets are gonna. It's gonna uh, be Z neutrino energy flattened by the alignment of the planets into a single string. Uh, so basically, that's all gonna. It's gonna be fired at the prisoners, and, and they're gonna be dissolved because. Uh, that will disrupt the electrical energy that binds the atoms. So the way Davros puts it is uh, is just brilliant. They're going to send this out through this signal out across the universe, um, never stopping, never faltering, never fading. People and planets and stars will become dust. The dust will become atoms, and the atoms will become nothing. And the wavelength will continue breaking through the rift at the heart of the Medusa Cascade into every dimension, every parallel, every single corner of creation. This is my ultimate victory, Doctor. The destruction of reality itself. And he reaches kind of a fever pitch at that point, does Davros. And it's just so fucking good. Yeah. And it's that thing of, in the past, you know, whether it's Classic Who or whatever, we've had the Daleks wanting to destroy Earth, destroy whatever planet. They're at war with this particular race or they want to take over the universe or whatever. Here, it's almost like one step further. They want to destroy everything. So all that is left is them. Is and it's how bad on destruction. <laughs> yes, that, that, it's almost like an extra step with regards to how how evil their plan is, I suppose. Yeah, it is, and it's it's just incredible. And it, I just it, I really admire the the level of creativity it takes to come up with that. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, you think it, as well all the. Brilliant all the stuff about the missing planets and the bees all sewn back into the other episodes to build to this climax here and the aligning of the, 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 the science fiction behind it, yeah. the aligning of the planets to make this work. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a TV, it's a TV tapestry. Yes. The, even the sprinkling of Rose throughout the series, like that bit at the end of episode one, where like because mm-hmm. no one knew she no one knew she was coming back it wasn't announced and literally it just aired at the end of episode one it's like hang on yeah but how's yeah, that possible well, 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 she, she can't be here yeah it's brilliant and then but back on the back on the crucible uh jackie mickey and sarah jane have escaped the testing area uh sarah jane and, uh, just sneaks off and opens a door with a little sonic device and mickey follows jackie sonic uses lipstick. a teleport yeah, sonic <laughs> lipstick. <laughs> I think yeah, it actually is what it is. It's sonic lipstick that she uses. Is that what that was? was yeah. That? Oh, okay. K- K9's <laughs> lipstick. Jack Jack uses the teleport box. It's got a half hour recharge, and then uh, Jack just rolls out from a, from a bit, from a ventilation shaft, and we get the sort of the the awkward exchange with uh, with Mickey. It's like I climb through two miles of ventilation shaft, chasing life signs on this thing, and who do I find? Mickey Mouse and Mickey's ever so witty responses to call him Captain, Captain Cheesecake. Cheesecake. Mm. I mean, if anything, I'm Captain Cheesecake, which size of me, but whatever. <laughs> um, 
So, <laughs> this is kind of the one, this is something that kind of annoys me in this because I don't know why, but they feel the need twice in this episode for Sarah Jane to make a big deal of her son only being 14. Yeah. But in a really obvious way, like he's only 14. <laughs> Yeah, and she uh, don't, oh, we're jumping ahead a great deal, but that comes up again at the end when she's like, "Oh God, I got to get home," you know, because yeah. he's only fourteen. It's like, is he that inept? You know, I mean, he's yeah, already, we've already seen he's a pretty smart kid. He's done all right for himself for the previous at two hours of this episode, whilst the world is going to be like, you know, took over. He can probably knock himself up a glass of squash and some toast, love. You got ten minutes. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Imagine if he's like hyper intelligent, but every time he makes toast, he burns the house down. Yeah, Sarah Jane just gets back and K9's there going, it's happened again, mistress, and her son's just on fire. <laughs> just just charging, charging sinews and hair all up. I told him not to use the frying pan, mistress. He won't listen. <laughs> he keeps putting forks in the toaster. <laughs> um, yes, Sarah Jane's got a, a necklace with her and it was given to her by a veteran soothsayer for the end of days. And it's a, it's a warp star, which, again, as we all know, is a warp fold conjugation tra- trapped in a carbonized shell, basically an explosion waiting to happen. Uh, Martha's at the Osterhagen station. There's three online now. Um, the station in China gives gives her a name, and I forgot to write it down, uh, but the station in Liberia doesn't want his name on what they're about to do, yeah. which, again, is a great moment. Yeah. Um, and the, doc- the new doctor... Uh, the formerly naked doctor is building a device to reverse the focus of the Z neutrino energy to Davros's DNA, which will extend to all Daleks and, and basically disable them or kill them. The uh, the Daleks get the transmission from Earth from Martha in the Osterhagen station, and we find out that the Osterhagen key is to activate a series of 25 nuclear warheads in the Earth's crust to basically destroy it as, a, as an ultimate sort of last resort. It's kind of lucky that Martha. So I was going to say, I think um, it's kind of lucky that for the Earth that Martha actually did take the Doctor approach and offer the chance for uh, well, yeah, before using it. Otherwise, I'd be like the end of Earth quite quickly. (laughs) We'll turn the keys. Everything's fine. She explains, you know, yes, it's going to kill everybody and so on. You're thinking, why? Why would you do that? And then she says, I'm assuming that they need the. Was it twenty-seven planets they have? Yeah, twenty-six. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they need the twenty-seven. So what happens if it goes down to twenty-six? Yeah, and Rose uh, is admiring Martha as well. She said, "How good yeah. is she?" Yeah, very clever. Yeah, it's, a, it's a real smart way of looking at it. And and but all you know, in the background, we've got Davros saying it's going as Khan foretold. A second transmission coming, and it, it comes in. And it's it's Jack. He's got the warp star wired into the mainframe, ready to destroy the Crucible. And throughout the whole thing, the doctor's saying, you know, the destruction of the Earth is never a choice. Yeah. And Davros recognises her, saying, you know, that you were there on Skyro at the beginning of my creation. And then Sarah's saying she's learned how to fight since then and all of that. And, and Rose is like, really? I was like, that's what I call a ransom. And then the doctor's just sad and disappointed. Yeah, that's, that's the big kind of realisation point, I think, where it's kind of like the yeah. doctor's realising actually no, like, I try to do things peacefully, but I've always been willing to actually do deadly, yeah, yeah. like horrific well, things I, for me. If I go into if I go if I go into the, the into Davros's dialogue now, because again, it's another moment of Davros absolutely stealing yeah. the show. Yeah, and so you know, the Doctor's soul is revealed. The man who abhors violence, never carrying a gun, but this is the truth, Doctor. You take ordinary people and you fashion them into weapons. Behold your children of time transformed into murderers. 
I made the Daleks Doctor, you made this. Already I've seen them sacrifice today for their beloved Doctor, the Earth woman who fell to opening the Sunwave network. And he, the Doctor finds out that was Harriet Jones. And he says, how many more have died in your name? And we get a flashback right to season one, an episode that we covered where you see Jay burning alive, holding yeah. the, uh, the thing down for Christopher Eccleston, uh, the controller of Satellite 5, uh, Linda, who uh, yep. died fighting the Daleks, a bloke in a suit who I think is the guy who became the uh, the human Dalek hybrid. Okay. In the Daleks uh, Manhattan episodes, uh, the uh, Peter Kay's victims, the Absorbaloff's victims, the face of Bo, Chantho, Kylie Minogue, Luke, I can't remember a name, a character name. Astrid. Astrid, Astrid. Why do I always forget that? Yeah, I uh, remember it because it's an anagram of TARDIS. Oh, fair enough. So that was uh, something that was made a point of. I think they kind of made it an anagram of TARDIS. Oh, cool. Um, we see Luke Rattigan, who was a shitbag, but he, he came good in the end, destroying the Sun Sirens. Uh, we see Jenny, the Doctor's the doctor's daughter, and, uh, and River Song. Like, just mm. to sort of bring us up to speed, it's like, and then Davros again, the Doctor, the man who keeps running, never looking back because he dare not out of shame. This is my yeah. final victory, Doctor. I have shown you yourself. That line really hits. I like, think, actually, yeah, mm. that's kind of quite dark, but it's... And there's really, no lights really told, done. is there? No. no. These people, these things have happened to these characters, and some characters were, we talk, we talk quite a bit on the show, Dan, don't we, about these sort of secondary characters that are mm. in one episode and how much we'd like to see more of them, whether it would work or not, whatever. But these characters are all affected in some way, and obviously this list here, we see them as a big list of those who have, who have died because of the Doctor's involvement. Now, obviously, he's doing things for the greater good, and these people i suppose have horrible things happen to them in the course of that greater good but it's still his a greater effect, good. sorry i had to do it um <laughs> i had to do the hot the hot fuzz thing <laughs> <laughs> you said the greater good and you're from gloucester it had to be done <laughs> but yeah is, you're absolutely right and it's it's what i said before about this wonderful perspective switch mm, yeah and how various parties view the doctor it's it's fantastic and, and a great reflection on on the character itself. It's just so so good. Um, Supreme Dalek engages Defense Zero Five, which, as we all know, transmats all the uh, the companions into the vault. Yeah, and they all surrender their plan straight away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just like um, one act. It's like, yeah, that ain't gonna work. Yeah, but well, Defense Four Fifty just makes them do two flips and land on the bellies. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, they all surrender on the doctor's orders and uh, the final prophecy in pl- prophecies in place. And we get just Dav- again, Davros here um, saying it's now. And he just screams just with glee, just detonate the reality bomb. And just like, holy shit, is he good? Like he's having a really, really good time doing this horrific thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's how I, how I imagine Vince McMahon will be in about 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this kind of shows like the desire for revenge and kind of striking back and getting victory, victory for mm-hmm. and how much she's been driven. In my perception, that driven crazy for the desire for it and like yes, willing yeah. to do ev- do anything to do it. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's, it's how um, it was explored in another episode. And I can't remember what. Um, I think it was the power of the Doctor, where the Rebel Dalek. And, and later on in this as well, where these Daleks just see how far 
they've come from the original yeah. Carled mission, mm-hmm. which I think is always a really, a really sort of a good, uh, you know, good thing to examine. Um, but in this, he says detonate the reality bomb, but the countdown takes two hundred rels, which is about two hundred seconds. So everything's getting going, everything's firing up, and we get you know the CGI, which still looks pretty good. Davros is sort of gleefully gloating, and then we get the new Doctor piloting the TARDIS into the vault. And it, when you hear that noise and you see everybody's reaction, you think, "Oh, someone's going down!" You know, it's it's just a moment of hope. And the new Doctor exits and charges at Davros, but gets electrocuted. Yeah, which surely, away. surely the Doctor knew that. Yeah, you'd think but so. Anyway, wouldn't you? a bit headstrong, maybe. Yeah, well, he's only young. Um, it wasn't even born yesterday, it was born today. <laughs> it's whether it's the half human being like Donna's mindset and kind of like maybe the human aspect of just rush in yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, true. But, but yeah, you're right, because that's backed up, I suppose, by what Donna does next, because she does exactly yeah. the same bloody thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like watching Jordan Henderson play football. Donna runs for the gun, but she has no idea what to do when she gets there and she's got it in her hands. <laughs> <laughs> Hendo want ball. Don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Donna gets zapped as well, which which at which point you think, holy shit. <laughs> you know, even the companions eating shit on this one. And Davros just it never misses an opportunity to be a bastard. So like, I was wrong about your warriors, Doctor. They are pathetic. Mm. And they're trying to figure out what's going on because everybody's in holding cells now. And the new doctor just passes himself off by saying that it's a human biological metacrisis. And everyone's like, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Someone that. who looks like David Tennant said sci-fi words. We're just going to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'd, I'd just be happy with it. Yeah, fine. Um, we're getting down into the uh, into the twenties on the uh, on the count there, and Davros is, is gloating again, and uh, he, he gives you something like stand witness. Your weapons are useless, and oh, the end of the universe has come. Yeah, and so has Davros. <laughs> <laughs> he has reached that point <laughs> uh, the countdown reaches uh, reaches one and everything misfires and the alarm goes off and this is where we get the Doctor Donna which is going to lead to all series ever since the Ood yeah, yeah. and it's so um, again it's so cleverly done because the Doctor Donna it could easily be explained as just the way that Ood speak hmm. yeah because I, I treat that as such a throwaway, throwaway line when it happens. I that's a cool way of referring to him as like a team. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it actually came back full force in the finale. It's actually kind of... No, they've kind of... That actually really, was a thing. Really clever. Really clever. Russell T's writing it. I'm so excited yeah. for the next season. Yes, I'm me. So Crazy excited. If he's, if he's pulling stuff like this out, it's going to be so good. Because The only know, downside um, is that we've got to wait seven days yeah. between episodes. We talk about the cliffhanger in this earlier on, having to wait a week when this airs. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like every week. And this will be the first time, because we, we finished New Who now, Charlie and I, we've completed yeah. everything. So we're waiting now for the specials in November and then the new series when it starts. Charlie's not used to that. Normally, if we sit down to watch Doctor <laughs> Who, we, we would watch three or four episodes in a hit. Yeah. But now it's going to be one episode. Yeah, Charlie, you've got to wait a week. So I'm really intrigued to see how she's going to deal with that because I'm going we're, to hate it. We're going to be recording that point. Uh, you know, we might be on season five or six by that point. I can't wait to be speculating every week, possibly on the audio with you yep. about it. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah. So here comes a lot of wee woo beep boop. <laughs> and I will do my best to get the terminology spot on. 
And this is where I check out and just take anything you say at face value as being correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you couldn't even say Oster Hagen key. <laughs> so every, it's misfired because Donna has closed all the Z neutrino relay loops using an internalized synchronous backford reversal loop. Reversal loop, reversal loop. I was so close. I was so close. <laughs> But the doctor's looking at her saying, Donna, you can't even change a plug. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, I thought uh, was brilliant. I love that. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. She just goes, do you want a better time, boy? And Davros's weapon, she reverses that against him. She goes, oh, bioelectric dampening field with a retrogressive arc inversion. <laughs> yeah, why not? That's fine. She takes out the Dalek weaponry, macro transmission of a K-filter wavelength, blocking Dalek weaponry in a self-replicating energy blindfold matrix. <sighs> Sorry, I had to get my breath there. Yeah. <laughs> But what do you guys think of all this? Like it's, it's for me, it's just such a, a real. It sounds daft, like right at the very end of the series, but it's such a coming out party for for both Catherine Tate getting to show off and for the character as well. I know we alluded to to it before of her sort of maturation, but Chris, like, how did you feel at the time watching this? I think for me, it was just like, what the hell's going on? Like, what's happened to Donna? Kind of thing. Because I think I did at that point start to wonder if the Doctor going to Donna because the conversations about. Part Donna going into the doctor, so I kind of thought that something like that had happened, but it was just like, okay, kind of what's happening on what's happening here, kind of thing. Um, so that's yeah. my kind of thoughts on it. Kind of got through yeah. me a little bit because I that's not Donna, that's not Donna, yes. what's happened to Donna, but then I kind of it, it goes along with that thing where you can't even change a plug, yeah. <laughs> I take it you like this side as well. Oh, loved it, loved it, and I like the way. I mean, first of all, I'd like to know how many takes this took for Donna or, or Catherine Tate, sorry, to, to get those lines out because it was said so fast and there's such complicated words. And also when we come to the scene in a bit in a TARDIS with her and David Tennant with her last two left, uh, I think she is so good here because that must be incredibly difficult to deliver that dialogue at that speed and still, still pronounce your words clearly and correctly so that even though you're talking at that speed, people can hear what you're actually saying, even though in theory it's we would beat boot sci-fi gobbledygook, isn't it? You know, but uh, you know, oh, that, that's an, sorry. I'm going to stop. My turn to interrupt you, Sai. Right. That is the that is the new end of that. Um, of, of we will beat, but we will beat boot sci-fi gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to the SJP World Media merchandise store for new T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> With we will beat boot and the gobbledygooker. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But that's Sorry, it. You were saying. Yes, yeah, the speed with which she delivers those lines, and then obviously we'll come to it very, very soon because we're virtually at the end of the episode now. But when it's almost like she she's breaking down in the TARDIS and is delivering those lines mm. and stuttering and then saying the same word over and over and over. I just think it must take such ability to to do that. I couldn't do that. I, I think it's amazing. So well done, Catherine Tate, for those performances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as we're here now, she's explaining that uh, she's part time lord as well. It was a two-way biological metacrisis, uh, and it took the jolt from Davros to awaken that part of her brain because it was lying dormant. So she is the Doctor Donna, and I just love it where she says, "Come on, you skinny boys in suits, get to work." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Donna overrides the Dalek controls, and uh, <laughs> everybody's just having a laugh because the Daleks are like just whizzing around all over the place. And that's that was a, a trip stitch circuit breaker in the psychokinetic threshold manipulator, which you know. When you say it like that, it's obvious. <laughs> and they make them spin round and just keep yeah. them and rolling them right. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, Jack just boots one of them. Get out of the way. 
<laughs> and these, things can, these things can generate heat shields that melt bullets, but nothing can stop Jack's Jack's shoe. Is that where you get Sarah Jane and uh, the, uh, oh, Rose Fish one? Is that? It's nice to see you again. Good to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rolling a Dalek out of the way. <laughs> oh, I love it. And, and Mickey's Mickey's holding Davros at gunpoint. <laughs> just yeah. you, just stop right there, Mister. Yeah, still very polite by Mickey, isn't it, Mister? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're sending the planets back one by one, and we get a, again in a really great delivery from from Catherine Tate. Rose wants to know what's going on, and she explains that. The doctor poured all his regeneration energy into his spare hand. She touched the hand. The new doctor grew out of that. That fed, fed back into her, but it stayed dormant in her head till the synapses got that extra spark. Thank you, Davros. And she got the best part of Doctor, his mind. And then Jack Harkness, in with the smut. I can't tell you what I'm thinking right now about three doctors. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I can't tell you what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, it's wow. so funny. And But the, this made Donna so unique that all the timelines were converging on her. So she is special. <laughs> yes, that whole attempt from Chizik. Hundred words per minute. Yeah, because that's Oh, I do love that. And and, and Davros is then asking Dalek Khan why he didn't foresee it and betrayal. <laughs> Swerve, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew I shouldn't have brought up Russo. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dalek Khan saw it all. He he, he saw the truth of the Daleks. And you know, and this and decree no more. The uh, the supreme Dalek descends and blows up the console. And considering Jack was so quick to kill the Dalek that shot the Doctor, he was really slow on the draw here. Mm. Um, but anyway, he got it still. And there's one planet left, and guess which one it is. I love how they call that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, just jumping back slightly, one yes. thing I liked about that no decree no more mm. is I only realised it when I was watching back this weekend. It's a great call back on Stephen Moffat's behalf for the 50th anniversary because it all centred around that no more wasn't it so oh yeah oh yeah so like Garnet Khan mentioning no more so I decided no more decreed no more I think yeah I've I only spotted that this weekend I've been watching it's like actually that's kind of yeah, quite fun. a big kind of mm. plot well you, you've opened my eyes to it <laughs> yeah oh Bloody love this! I bloody love this too, but yeah. <laughs> uh, where are we? Da, ba, da, ba, da. Sorry, I've lost uh, my. They're just about to take Earth back. <laughs> that was it, yeah. Um, so Dalek Khan uh, he wants the prophecy to complete, and the Doctor must make it happen. The end of everything, Dalek, and the new Doctor realizes with or without the reality bomb, this Dalek Empire is big enough to slot the cosmos. Mm-hmm. So he takes control and he maximizes the Dalekanian power feeds, which, as we all know, just blasts them to bits and yes. effectively commits genocide. Indeed. Which is kind of like, whoa, <laughs> when you but think even about that's, it. Even but that's... arguably, is the original plan would have caused genocide anyway, because they're going to have that weapon that reversed the sea waves, it would have destroyed yeah, the Daleks yeah, of the universe. Mean, so yeah. it's kind of like, through either way, like, he was kind of, he was if the gun it. had worked, it would have been genocide either way, I think. Mm. Yeah, true. Uh, but everything starts blowing up. We get a great yeah. sequence of, of the individual Daleks blowing up, and then the ships blowing up. The 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 original Doctor is furious. Uh, the Dalek blows up, freeing Torchwood. The Crucibles collapsing. The Doctor gets everyone in the TARDIS, and then in true Doctor fashion, even offers to save Davros. Yep. And we get one last great line from Davros. Never forget, Doctor, you did this. I name you forever. 
you are the destroyer of worlds. And Dalek Khan, after all that hyperbole and great delivery, Dalek Khan steals it with, one will still die. Yeah. Mm. Yes, because at this point, you've had, it's not lighthearted, obviously, but you've had the fun with spinning the Daleks around, pushing them all over the place, Jack kicking them, Donna defeating everybody with her computer wizardry, and everything seems to be going well. And it's it's like a I wouldn't say happy ending, but the the tone is quite victorious and quite you know yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's a it's a good vibe at this moment in the show. That one line just makes you think, oh, hang on, yeah, something's was, still going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's we get we get another really nice scene here where the doctor's sort of you know all hands on deck. Uh, we get the bit with Gwen and asking if she's part of an old Cardiff family, as we said before. Our spatial genetic multiplicity, that was it. Yeah. Uh, they're going to use the rift energy to loop around the TARDIS uh, with the power of Mr. Smith. Uh, needs the TARDIS numeral base codes, which might take a while, but Sarah Jane wakes up K9. And I know yes. at this point, Cy was jubilant. Because <laughs> no. he loves K9. I'm, I'm not a fan, mate. I'm, <laughs> I, I, tell you what, I, I think I figured out what it is. It's the voice. It's the voice. It's just to, oh, yes, hello, Master. It's like, just, you know, I think that's what bothers me so much. Yeah, I can understand it. I like get a kick out of K9 when he's not around for very long. I um, see him and I go, oh, yes, K9. And then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, ah, oh, K9. Just shut the fuck up, K9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject of, like, Chris Smith and K9, one thing I did actually notice when I was watching some of the Sarah Jane stuff is, you know, back in part one they said oh, I'd have to have so much fanfare when he opens up mm. episode set after this he doesn't have the fanfare oh really so they've carried that on which is yeah. oh, that's brilliant yeah so that's another little carryover from these this two part like yeah. episodes of Sarah Jane after this Mr. Yeah. Smith didn't have his fanfare so it's kind of oh, okay oh, I like cool. that yeah yeah, yeah. But back in the TARDIS, we find out that these are designed for six pilots. So he's giving people various jobs to do, you know, telling Rose, right, you, you operate that. <laughs> it gets to Jackie, uh, no, Jackie, no, no. You no, just no, Jackie. <laughs> Don't touch anything, Jackie. <laughs> I, love you, I love you, Jackie, but you're a fuck-up. Yeah. Um, there is one bit here where I'm kind of, I don't know whether I like it or not. Okay. Is it Martha? Yes, her look to the camera, like, breaking the four fours. Like, I'm really on the fence. Go like, do I like right. it or not? I know exactly where I stand on this. It seems um, very cheesy, but then it does seem kind of like acknowledging the fans are like, yeah, this is kind of like a big come together and what that scene is. I, I love it. Yeah. Because in the context in the context of the scene, all these characters from the four seasons so far have come together and it feels like everybody's really enjoying it. Yeah. And that little look to the camera, that look I'm piloting the TARDIS, it, it, it's it's so relatable and and so fun yeah. and you see like Sarah Jane look Elizabeth Sladen looks so at home yeah in what she's doing and it it feels like everybody loved doing that scene and just being there together and yeah. and they knew that this was the only the, the last or only time that they'd all be there yeah so I kind of get that because like that's why I kind of like it because it is that kind of little not a like yeah this is like a big thing but that mm. the, the camera kind of took me out of the scene a little bit so that's why I'm a bit on the fence of it I do enjoy it but it's just that one look that's kind of it'll probably surprise no one, no one listening or Dan to know that I didn't even notice <laughs> there's, there's one bit where Martha looks directly at the camera and smiles it's just like okay just like, um, like yeah. I, I kind of get the situation I know you're enjoying finding the TARDIS and everything but the fact is such a 
blatant fourth rule break and it's not right. something Doctor Who traditionally does. It kind of took me out a little bit. I like to think that maybe I was looking down making a note when that happened. <laughs> uh, and I'm not just that ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, like, you can think that, sir. Yeah. So, 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 I do, so I do I do like it, but it's also that's that took me out of the scene slightly. So that's the yeah, bit. Okay. That's the only reason I don't particularly I'm not hundred percent on the fence for that, or I'm kind of on the fence for that one. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. No, I get you. I get you. I, 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 I love it. Yeah. Um, the the tour of the earth back home, everybody's celebrating and hugging. You see Donna shoving Elizabeth Slade, not, uh, sorry, Sarah yeah. Jane, out the way to get to Jack. <laughs> it was just brilliant. And then everybody's celebrating all around the all around the world. And I don't know if you guys spotted it, but when you get to Sylvia and Wilf and Bernard Cribbins, he's got something in his hand and he just throws it in the air and does a header. Yeah, it's like a rolled bit, <laughs> a bit of paper yeah. or something, isn't it? Yeah, it, I just absolutely love it. He's, just, every little thing he does in Doctor Who is yeah. just fantastic. It's so good. Um, and we get we're into the goodbyes effectively. Uh, yeah. The Doctor drops Sarah Jane off, and she's saying, "You act like such a lonely man, but you've got the biggest family on earth." But yeah, they're not there all the time. Yeah, you're going home to your son because he's only fourteen. Um, can't make fucking toast. <laughs> 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 Oh, we, we need a we need a Sarah Jane Adventures Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares crossover. <laughs> the thing is, if I ever if at any point I do watch Sarah Jane Adventures and the lad actually does make toast, I'm gonna feel really bad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh god! Um, so uh, do, the Doctor deactivates uh, Jack's vortex manipulator and tells Math to get rid of the Osterhagen key. Uh, Jack's trying to recruit her for Torchwood and. This is quite a nice thing for Mickey as well because he said, you know, he's he stayed on the parallel Earth to be with his gran effectively. Yeah, because uh, she died when he was younger and she she lived out her last days in a mansion. Yeah, and he, you know he's kind of come to terms with the fact that him and Rose is is never going to be a long term thing. It's never going to happen effectively, but he can start another new life back on his original Earth, mm. and he follows um, he follows uh, Jack and Martha. And then it, it, from the end of the specials, you know how that ended up. Yeah, yeah, they ended up married. Yeah. <laughs> Even though Martha was already uh, was was already She's engaged. engaged. Point. Mickey, you dirty bastard! Oh, Martha, <laughs> you hussy! Hi, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> um, where am I? Yeah, he takes uh, Rose and Jackie and the new Doctor to uh, to Dalek Gulf Stranding, which is Bad Wolf Bay in the parallel universe, because the walls of uh, the walls between the dimensions are still sort of still open. And I love Jackie taking the piss, saying that um, that she's had another baby, and, and yeah. they've had a boy, and they've called it Doctor, and he's like, really? Really? <laughs> like kind of flat, kind of flat about that look of what the fuck. And she's I know you, Pam. It's called Tony. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, but, you know, Rose is protesting this all after all she's done to, to get back to the Doctor. She's, he's abandoning her again, effectively. Yeah. And he says that we saved the universe at the co- cost, and the cost is him, meaning the new Doctor. He committed genocide. He's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. He was born in blood and battle and revenge, and which is basically the Doctor when the Doctor first met Rose. Mm-hmm. says, and you made me better. Now you can do the same for him. And she says he's not you, and he says he needs you. That's very me. And it's kind of this. It has a great line. Like, yeah, it's it's the doctor again sacrificing himself and his happiness for for the betterment of yeah. of multiple worlds. Mm. And it's it manages to be really bittersweet because it's a happy ending for Rose, but the doctor's still left 
Yeah. But I haven't. Still left, still left wanting, you know, still yeah, left. Like Rose, Rose has got her doctor, but the doctor hasn't got his Rose, is, is basically what's yeah. happened, isn't it? Yeah, it's when she, you know, she calls him into, um, into, just into the middle, let's say, and you know, saying in the on the worst day of my life, the last time I was here, you said something to me. What did you say? And the, the original doctor says, "I said Rose Tyler," and she asks how that sentence was going to end. And the original doctor says, "Does it need saying?" As in, as if he's looking at it saying, "If I say it, I won't leave." Mm. And then the new doctor whispers in her ear, and that's that. They kiss the Doctor and Donna fuck off into the TARDIS. She takes one last dramatic look back because the doc- the new Doctor is is half human. He has one heart, he'll age and, and grow all together. Very clever way of tying that up, isn't it? Because the way the Rose yeah. and the Doctor uh, story, I suppose, their relationship, for a happy ending for Rose, that's the only way it could have been a happy ending, to actually yeah. grow old with the Doctor. Yeah. So the fact that they found a way of making that work, I think is quite clever. Without okay. it being so over the top and ridiculous you know mm-hmm. and the fact that they're in this alternative universe you're never going to bump into them so mm. it's 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 a nice little bow yeah. on that you, you can't even be like yeah where's the doctor together they're going to grow old and yeah and i can't remember which episode of doctor who was in but i'm sure that i'm sure it's one of the tenant ones where he says to somebody something along the lines of you can spend the rest of your life with me i can't spend the rest of my life with you mm. yes. yeah i remember saying that it's yeah it's 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 just a great ending, but so sad mm-hmm. and, and bittersweet. Um, but the Doctor and Donna are back in the TARDIS. I, th- um, I think was that line. I think it was from a Matt Smith episode of a song potentially. Potentially. I was trying to think where I had that line before, and I wasn't sure it was. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember in about three hours yeah. and, and <laughs> call you all back. <laughs> <laughs> um, the back in the TARDIS, Donna's talking about going to. You know, going to a planet with mountains that move and being very David Tennant, you know, or going to Fellspoon just because of the name. And then she gets sort of stuck in a loop saying binary over and over again. Binary, 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 binary. And, and it's yeah. because the Time Lord consciousness is effectively killing your brain. Yeah. You can see David on David Tennant's face, he knows, like the doctor knows what's happening. Yeah. And she knows what's happening. It's just she's yeah. desperately trying to to hold on. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, again, it's really sad. Um, and, and she she doesn't want to go back to how she used yeah. to be because she feels so much more now. And the doctor apologises and said they had the best of times and, and wipes her mind. Full disclosure, I cried when I watched that this weekend. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like Catherine, Catherine Tate in that moment, like her mm-hmm. performance, just that's kind of like one of the best. I probably go as far as saying it's the best bit of acting on Doctor Who I've seen, but it's kind of certainly up there. It's kind of like kind of iconic exits or kind of iconic moments so for me it's yeah. just kind of like rips your heart out and kind of like yeah it got, it got me and charlie as well yeah, yeah it, every time i watch it, it's lumping the throat tears, you know, tears in the eyes it doesn't it, get any better so it? Good. it doesn't get any better when you get past that sad moment because no, the, doc, the doctor the, he turns on her home and he's talking yeah. to donna's mum and wilf and then we get the goodbye with wilf and you go again yeah. don't you it's like, oh, yeah. come on, Mister Davis, give us a break, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> because well, the doctor said basically that he sealed off her mind and wiped her memory. She can never remember because if she does, she'll burn. And it gives this whole sub thing about planets will sing songs of her, and then she, for one fleeting time, she was the most important woman in the universe. And Sylvia says she still is. She's my daughter and tenant. I love this. Well, then maybe tell her that once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. the, 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 oh, the look from Sylvia. 
was just brilliant because they're always at odds, those two. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Wilf, um, full disclosure, by the time I was watching this earlier today, I was having a, uh, uh, I was having a, a silent migraine, so I don't have down everything Wilf said. But Wilf stands out at the door and he's just, he's such a caring, wholesome character. Yeah. He's, he's so concerned about the Doctor. So every night I'll stand up and watch for you. Yeah, every night I'll start. I'll, I'll you know, when when the night's clear, I'll look up and I'll think of you on her behalf. Yeah. And he salutes, doesn't he, as as the doctor goes off. Yeah. In the TARDIS, and I was like, oh, Will, you're, yeah, you're it's bloody really lovely, good. man. It's really good. <laughs> it, it's the wedding as well, though, in the uh, in tenants' farewell. Yeah. yeah. When he's when he, when you know the Will figures out what's happening and he's he's he gives the salute and he blows him a little kiss and I'm just like, oh God. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. <laughs> That's I, I like again. Saying for the other jump to another episode, like that kind of same episode as the wedding, like that heartbreaking twist of the knocking four times. It's like, oh god, oh, <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> it was like, of all the, of all the characters, it was just like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's not Will, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's effectively then if the end, barring one scene, isn't it? Yeah, and I think this is done so well the, 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 you know, the doctor's being spoken to in the pouring rain tenant does that kind of standing there and huge levels of emotion without actually doing anything which is an incredible talent to be able to to, to have and, and possess like gets in the tardis has a little walk around presses a few buttons starts it up and i thought this was so brilliantly done because they do nothing in yeah. previous stories, yeah. there's been those moments like this, and then you've had the Titanic crash into the TARDIS, or you've had uh, Donna Noble yeah. arrive, and, and you're there thinking, oh, is something else going to happen? But it just looks at Tennant's face, and Tennant kind of just glances across the camera, looking, well, heartbroken, I suppose. Yeah. And then yeah. the music hits. That's the end. And I thought that really hits home how emotional and deep this, this has been. You didn't have really any good. clear direction of where it was going to go, so it was like, okay. Mm. I think it's not long after that last episode they made the announcement that he was going to be leaving, and it's going to be like before or five, set, like the five specials. Mm. Yeah, it uh, is, yeah, it's it's a wonderful way to end it, and yeah. just full this. I'm just going to get to it right now. This is my favourite episode that we've watched. Uh, my favourite thing that we've watched so far this series, and it will take a hell of a lot to dislodge it. Yeah. Yes when we do our end of season countdown episode, which we, we normally do, people can go back and listen to that in our previous three seasons. Uh, when we rank the stories that we've viewed that particular season of the show, this is going to be very, very, very high for me. Um, Chris, in summary, then your, your final thoughts. I think for me, like when you guys asked me to come on and I said, well, actually the episodes I want to talk about these ones, they're on done. And it's like, no, no, one's done. I was like, what? How's no one done these mm-hmm. episodes? Like, they're kind of groundbreaking in so many ways like in terms of tying so many series and stories together and kind of like the performances and the stakes really because it was a really high stakes story um, it literally just kept me enthralled if I have to go back to episodes to watch mm-hmm. I'm going to go out of limb and say I think series 4 probably is one of my favourite series of Doctor Who okay. um, yeah. controversially I think the Moffat era I can take or leave a lot of it there was a lot of standout episodes, but there's a lot of it I just didn't like as much as Series 4. Yeah, you're not alone. Um, a lot of people feel yeah. the same way. Um, but yeah, Series, it's just wrapped up the story perfectly. Like, all of these threads that you had leading up to it, kind of, a lot of them were all tied up. And 
just like everyone all together and you didn't feel anyone was shortchanged like all the characters had screen mm. time had story points um so i think they balanced everything brilliantly mm. um i think it's like a masterclass and like still mm. this is one of my favorite yeah. two-part stories not to history really yeah quite yeah. a great I'm, Right there with you. Um, I've, I've been doing a new thing this season where get you know sort of giving you a numerical ranking for my own reference point when I go back in the in the final episode. And I just as a matter of as sort of part of the course, I can never give anything a ten. Yeah. Because I just don't see it. You know, nothing can be perfect. But this is a, like a nine 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 point five. Yeah. And and you were right when you said masterclass. And I think I'd be doing it a disservice to try and expand any further. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'd probably have at least nine point five for me. Like I said, my niggle probably is that Martha Jones bit. Like I'm not sure if I like it or not. Um, but yeah, the whole story and the whole setup, I absolutely love it. And like when I was speaking to you guys earlier, you said that no one's done any any series four episodes yet. I was like, how how has series four not got people talking about it? Like <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the format of our show is is that yeah. way though, isn't it? We we look at one story per doctor yeah. per season. So we're into our fourth season. So we've only yeah. done three tenant episodes before. So I suppose it does kind of lean that way. Yeah. But yeah. Um before we depart then and we run through our social medias in a moment, Dan, what are we doing next week? Next week, uh, we're following David Tennant with Matt Smith, much like the uh, the showroom itself, and we're going to be looking at Matt Smith's debut episode, The Eleventh Hour, which was one of your picks. Ah, yes. I, I was thinking, <laughs> Matt Smith? What are we covering for Matt Smith? But yeah, I, I did pick that. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? I should, I should have just bullshitted you and said that we were going to go to the, the God Complex, which I'm itching to do at some point. But <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd have gone along with it, mate. I've forgotten already. Um, <laughs> Mr. Lewis, my friend, thank yes. you so, so much for joining us. It has been awesome. Thank you for selecting these episodes. I have loved watching them back with my daughter. It is, yeah. It's been bloody brilliant. Before we depart, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online and anything else you're involved in, my friend? Yeah, uh, so uh, best place to find me is probably my Twitter, which is Chris Lewis 37 Not the most active Twitter user, I do tend to post, like, I do have a YouTube channel, so I tend to post my videos on there. Um, and it's uh, my YouTube's uh, Chris Reactor 1, uh, youtube.com Chris Reactor 1. Um, yeah, I do do a podcast on Visionaries Global Media, which is a gaming podcast. So, had an episode come out this past weekend. So, um, again, all reading and everything like that. I've not been as free because I should have been getting my podcasts out, but that's something I'm working on and getting more content out. So, hopefully, should be able to find all good stuff like that. But yeah, I just want to say, I, yeah. sorry, go on. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really enjoyed like chatting with you guys and obviously I do love Doctor Who so to have chat with people who have similar thoughts it's been amazing so no, thank been you so much for having me on no, no, okay. thank you for coming thank you for being so come on and talk to us two reprobates <laughs> exactly uh, Dan your good self where can people find you and everything you do yeah, I'm on Twitter at DanGriffin21, doing a quick wrap-up today because I've, uh, I've got somewhere to be. Uh, you can hear me on Unbooking the Territory at UTT Podcast on Twitter, and we have uh, the first and last of uh, professional wrestling on there. Our side project, project Unbooking the Tankatory, about the life and times uh, of Tank Abbott in WCW, that's at UTT Tank. And our new side project, 
unputting the territory uh, is at UTT putting where we look at the uh, the being the elite Gator Golf tournament which is uh, where the f- which is the only time a wrestling belt's ever changed hands by a legitimate sporting competition uh, because Rob talked me into it and it's exactly the kind of daft bullshit I enjoy fair enough Fair enough. Anything I am involved in, you can find via the network that carries this show. And that's SJP World Media. And we have all sorts covered on there. New shows being added all the time. We've got three or four new shows coming in the next few months that are covering all sorts of different topics. None of them wrestling, funnily enough. But we do cover a lot of wrestling, modern day, nostalgia, and so on. We've got another show, If Time Travels Your Bag, looking at the old late 80s, early 90s cult classic Quantum Leap called The Waiting Room. There is loads going on at SJP World Media. But most importantly, you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter. I thought my bloody voice went then. Do you hear that? On Facebook and Twitter. Sorry. Uh, At the Doctor Who pod. That's at the D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D. At the Doctor Who pod. Chris, once again, thank you so, so much for joining us, my friend. It's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed it and absolutely loved talking about Doctor Who with you guys. (laughs) Thank you so much, mate. Thank you so much. And and Dan, I will talk to you next week. You will indeed, mate. See you soon. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. I found that Captain Jack fan fiction, by the way. It's filthier than a minor shoelace. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs>